Hello, today is Monday, August 14th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. So today, let's see, we have gaslighting of uh, godlessness, godless gaslighting. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, people that are like, I'm doing that, but I'm not doing that. I'm totally not doing that. You're imagining that, but I'm I'm doing that. I'm totally doing that, but I'm not. Um, that's related to the Bible. Uh, is it evil to think someone is more kind than God? Hmm, let's talk about that. And then the butterfly effect. So when people pronounce judgment, say the events of the Old Testament, or when God allows something bad to happen and doesn't stop it, um, even if he's not causing it, he's not stopping it, so evil, bad. You're pronouncing a morality judgment upon God. So if we're told God is good and God is just and God is all these positive, good, affirming things, then you would be evil to pronounce judgment on a holy God. Um, of course, the person doing that won't see it that way, but from the Christian perspective, that's what you're doing. There is a good God, and you are pronouncing judgment on that God for not stopping something from happening or whatever without considering, like, you know, if one little thing in history has changed, perhaps that would give rise to the world being blown up thousands of years ago already. So how bad would that be? That'd be bad. So whenever you think, well, I would do this better than God. Why this? Why that? Why that? Um, you petulant children, stop it. Um, the same way those of you who are parents are like, okay, look, kid, I know you don't like this. I know you think you know better. You just don't. Your brain can't handle it. You would explode if you knew everything I'm processing right now and the reason I'm doing things. So if you take the emotion out of it and look on this uh, on an infinite eternal scale, oh, but you're talking about candy versus murder. You're also talking about an infinite God on an infinite scale. So um, anyway, if you just take the emotion out of it and things that cause you fits of rage, moral outrage, um, you need to consider that. That's what the Christians do. So you jump straight to the only seeming example is God is bad or God is flawed or God has failed versus there could be a reason that does not make those things true and God is still God and God is still good. Um, so yeah, you're evil. <laughs> um, some black Hebrew Israelite stuff, they, they run by uh, one or two. I don't know. Anyways, at least one, quote, Hebrew Israelite uh, runs by and uh, we talk about that for a little while and... Um, yeah, that is the day. So, you know, check out the links if you'd like to support this podcast. Please do it. There's some buy t-shirts, there's doggy shirts, there's coffee cups, whatever. Uh, you can also check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, talking about dealing with people and having civil, respectful discussions about Christianity and religion. And, you know, different ways to, like, disarm people, to, you know, have a civil conversation, even with people who want to yell and scream at you. Um, some days that works better than others. <laughs> um, anyways, so, yes. Thanks for watching. Share these links. And we've got a special surprise for you for tomorrow's podcast. Talk to you later. Bye. Cannot beat it. I, it's, like, it's like godless gaslighting, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. like the, the, the guy last week, he's like, um, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, Jesus is great. Jesus is great. I'm like, something's not right. Like, I, I, I agree with the words you're saying, but I just know you have different meanings. Lo and behold, uh, I'm like, you know, we talked to him a little longer. I'm like, bro, you talk about Jesus, but you don't even think he's a real person, for example. And he's just like, oh, no, the ideas, the ideas. I totally believe in Jesus. Jesus is my savior. I'm like, but you're not even sure he, he exists or he's God or whatever the conversation was. He's like, no, no, totally. I'm like, okay, you're, 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 you're like contrary to yourself, and it's making me crazy. Like, you're somehow a heretical piece with it, but I'm over here losing it because, like, I, I just don't know how I can respond if I'm like – there's a tree and there is a tree right in front of you. Right. There is no tree, but you know, trees are, trees are good. And here's a tree.
but there is no tree. I, it's just like insane levels of, of stuff, which brings me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, Chris, wait, wait. Let me, let I'm me thinking, finish my story, Nate. Wait. So, oh, okay. So this is great. So listen. So then I did it. I pulled a Nate move. You ready for this? I'm ready. So Bob rolls in. The Unabomber, so baby. The Unabomber. <laughs> So Catherine, Catherine's literally ready to hang herself at this point. You know, she's just, she's completely just despondent. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, Catherine, let me handle this. Hey, Bob, meet Jordan. And then the two of them went at it for like Beautiful. 30 minutes. Beautiful. And it was gold. People in the chat, people were like, I almost wrecked my car because I'm laughing so hard. No, you is that on replay? Were you there for the one that was um I think it was Golden and Bob that we got to in, that I instig I'm pretty sure I instigated Bob to interact with Golden for like 2 seconds or like some other brain dead unitarian or modalist, right? And then when they interacted, there was something along the lines of uh one of the guys, oh no, it was an Israelite. It was an Israelite. It was an Israelite and Bob interacting. I can tell you, it's the funniest thing ever. Because once the Israelites started speaking, uh, he started arguing with Bob. Then Bob starts speaking. And then the Israelite comes off mic and says, you sound like you pick your boogers and eat them. And then Bob says in response, the wildest response I ever heard, huh, what do you do with him? <laughs> um, well, last week. I, and I, I have I, that I clip got, uh, too, by the way. I have it clipped. Links or it didn't happen. I got you. Um, well, last week I got you know Dave the Pot King. Like I got him and and Bob to talk, and I thought they'd like you know have have a little bit of you know pushback. He got Bob on board in like ten seconds. I'm like, what the heck? So Dave's like, uh, you know, I was raised Catholic, so I have a concept of the Trinity. And Bob was like, well, let's talk about the Trinity. I'm like, no, 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 we talk to you about that all the time. I'm like, uh, Bob, uh, okay. I'm like, Bob's a Unitarian, doesn't believe Jesus is God, and. Uh, you know, you believe Dave believes like weed and Jesus are God or something like that. So I'm like, Dave, uh, he believes that, uh, you know, pot is the greatest thing ever. Not Jesus, not eternal life necessarily. Um, I think he challenged that and said he did or whatever. But I'm like, he, he believes cannabis is like just right next to Jesus. And that's eternal life or something like that. Okay. And so Bob's like, now where in the Bible do you think that the tree of life is cannabis? And he's like, well, uh, you know, it says right here, there's no incense in the oil of like freaking Ishtar or something. And he's like, uh, you know, from, from one of the J books. And Bob's like, well, now how do you get that word? He's like, oh, it's been mistranslated. It totally means cannabis oil for uh, balm and Gilead. And Bob, and Bob is just like this. He's like, well, if it says it, then I guess it says it. Okay. I'm like, yep. what? 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 I'm like, no, Bob. No, here's the, here's the Bob clip. If you don't believe it, come out of my mouth. Here it is. And darkness is dark, no matter where you at. Okay. Mr. Bob, you sound like you pick boogers out of your nose again. Do what? It sounds like you pick boogers out of your nose again. What do you do with them? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so on one hand, you've got, like, you know, booger-eating Bob, and on the other hand, it's like, if it's that easy to convince you of something wild, like, you know, the tree of life is freaking pot, like, why do you have such a hard time with Jesus as God in the Trinity? Because he, right, he, he's one of those, like, you remember that piece of scripture that says, don't be blown away by every <laughs> wind of doctrine, you know? <laughs> that, that might apply to Bob here. Well, yeah, that's like talking about a ship at sea. What do you do if your ship is full of holes and it's sinking? Like, it's not even, it's not even like being blown around. I don't know. What do you it's do like with it? Sinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chris, I increasingly, 
you know, I, I like to go back and forth with like, you know, uh, reasoning and logic and blah, blah, blah. But some more and more, I, I'm looking for ways to just like hand wave conversations away that, that is like reasonable, takes into account what the other side is saying, but also it's utterly ridiculous. So let's move on to something else. Here's my shot. So, uh, let's see. It would be evil to think that someone is more kind than God. So <laughs> over the weekend, I heard this and I thought, you know, that may be a good way to like, you know, uh, shorten conversations by hours. Like, you know, the problem of evil or the God of the Old Testament, like willy nilly killing lots of people and stuff like that, because it comes up a lot and we just like get soul sucked into this. So <laughs> I thought, well, look, here's the claim. If you don't believe in the Christian God, which usually if you're making the case that God is so evil, you also say you don't believe in him. So I understand being fair that, you know, if the, I, the person doesn't believe in a God, but the concept of this God, if these stories were true, they're so much better than God, yada, yada. Um, I just think, well, under the Christian view, um, this God is right in everything he does. You know, there's a method, there's a reason, there's a purpose, and it is good. God is fair and God is just. So if you think you're better than God under the Christian view, you are evil. Wait, but um, I have a. I mean, that's kind of like an arrogant pride stance. So it's like, so whether or not you believe or subscribe to it or not, that is the position. So know that. Now let's move on. Wait, <laughs> there's there's a. Uh, I, I think there's a funnier approach to the problem of evil. There's, it's more so, and I think it's more of a problem on. Uh, like, I feel like if an atheist challenged it with this, it would be kind of funny, in the sense that okay, if them as atheists believe that the, that the God of the Bible is evil. But the Bible says that they love darkness. Does that technically mean they love God? Or is the Bible wrong when they say that they love God? You know, that's not a bad way to force the question. Be like, which is it? You pick. Like, I'm good with either one. Like, you know, one option one or option two. Neither are super flattering for you. So pick one. Well, it's kind of like the butterfly. Oh, oh, hang on. One more thing about that. It's like if you see, if you think you're more kind than God, you know, there's something else you need to rectify, right? If you're like, oh, but the killing of these people and the killing of these little bitty babies. Well, typically that person's also pro-choice. So what about that? I mean, are, are, is, uh, speaking of like shipping tossed to and fro, it's like, well, I don't know. Are you, you don't like the idea of God doing this, who presumably knows exactly the end state and the entire future laid out. So if he wants to like, you know, kill someone prematurely, he knows what's going on and it's his right to do it versus you being like, ah, pro-choice. Someone got drunk at a party, whatever. It's fine. It's their choice. That's evil, bro. Um, and then it's like the last thing is the butterfly effect. I mean, that, that's kind of just like the nail, I think, in the coffin because it doesn't make someone right. Um, but it, it gets the argument, at least from my perspective, who has like no interest in this, like the ultimate interest is, hey, repent, believe the gospel, get eternal life. Sweet. That's it. So it, it, like, I guess opens up the door for what we actually want to talk about. Because, I mean, who, no one can defeat that. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the butterfly effect. It's like, great. If one little thing didn't happen exactly the way it did, we could have all been extinct by now. Like, any little thing. So, and then it's like, well, prove it. I, I don't need to prove it. I just need to get off the stupid conversation. Welcome, Rab. How art thou? Good. Okay. Hopefully you can hear, still hear me. <clears throat> so, yes. Uh, on that topic, then, that you just were in, let's uh, brief, like, there's about a, a dozen little cans of worms there in front of me, so I'm having to pick which can of worms. Are <laughs> yeah, gonna, I was just going to stab, stab a hook through them. Nate, you, you, yeah. you literally just grabbed the only guy on Clubhouse that knows the math behind the butterfly effect, and you could probably <laughs> yeah. tell it to us. <laughs> well, yeah. But so, you can't know so all the math behind all the butterflies. Yeah, go ahead, Rabbit. But, but to that end, then, let, let, let's ask. 
so this kind of goes into the evidential problem of evil. That's really what you're describing at this point. So in that sense, I want you to ask the question, if you were standing outside the Uvalde school when the shooter was running in, would you have stopped him? Oh, uh, let, let me just preface that with, I, I was actually going with the God is evil, not the problem of evil. I, I did that. I threw that in to, I, I convoluted that. But oh, I'm going, the I'm original going there point too. was the God is evil. Okay, right, so, no, no, that, so that is where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, if I would have been, yeah, if I would have been there and I would have had a chance to give all the shooter, I totally would have. However, instead of being like, I'm more kind than God, God would have known if known that if he, you know, everything had happened just how it did, um, you know, that would prevent someone from coming up with something to absolutely extinct the entire planet in 20 years. There's okay. no way to know by God not stopping that guy whether that was good or evil. I okay, believe wait, wait. Go, the way that's everything. Great. Yeah. That's great. So. Because God didn't do it, that action was good that that shooter shot those people because something good was going to come from it later. That's why God didn't. I mean, if you want to John Lee it and say, like, murder and rape are, like, good, then, you know, we can define terms. Yeah, we need to. But, I mean, on his face. I mean, on Bro, that's I mean, so good, on, John Lee. On his face, if you to make, so you're Lee. saying it is good God allowed people to be murdered um, no. under, under, under my defining terms? Good equals God let things happen exactly the way it happens because people are evil in this fallen world and it's his permissive will which doesn't rise to the level of a prophecy that he's going to enact and stop things from happening. So it's not good, but he allows it, then sure, it's good. If it's good, as it means it's really, really good people died, then no. <laughs> no, no, you said, no, the reason I brought that up is you said we don't know that if that shooter hadn't done it, something really horrible wouldn't have happened in 20 years. So that doesn't sound like a permissive will thing. That sounds closer to the ends justifying the means, that there is something good that's going to happen. It's unclear. Like, if you don't mean that, that's my bad. I thought that's what you were Well, there's two things. I mean, that, that's like kind of going down one trail, but this is also from our perspective. So just because like God, I mean, there's also a difference, right? Some, from God allowing things to happen, which the biggest condemnation, if someone wanted to say that about the God they also say doesn't exist, would not be what God allows to happen. So the better case you could make, which you said you were going there, so let's just jump to it, is God commanding stuff to happen. So instead of being like, by God not stopping evil from happening, how about just the parts where God's like, yeah, go kill them all? Like, like that would be the better place to start making your case. And oh, <laughs> Yeah, we, we could do that. But I, I didn't want to like go there right off the bat because you actually were like dancing around. Like that was an earlier can of worms where you talked about killing all the children and stuff like that. So um, and you used a little high-pitched voice to try to indicate that emotional feelings don't count. So really what I'm going to go with is looking at the Uvalde shooter. You would have stopped him. God didn't. Your statement was because we think something's going to happen in 20 years. Um, or that might be a reason why it's happening. Then my question would be is how do you know allowing a woman to get an abortion isn't the actual same will of God making sure something bad's not going to happen in 20 years? So without dancing around, I'll just answer your question. Uh, I don't. Uh, but that also doesn't mean it's a good thing. That could be, you know, God being, well, it's in my will that I will allow. I don't want this, but, you know, not to the level of I will do something to stop it because, you know, evil gonna evil. So maybe right. if God could bring something good about it in 20 years, it would not, it, it would be I, despite an evil action from happening, like God will make, you know, good from evil stuff. Wait, 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 I'm sorry. Not to the level. That, that's an interesting thing. So, there is a level where it's worth God getting off of his couch and doing something. But before that level, he's like, eh, evil's going to evil and just kind of kicks back and watches TV. Is this what we're saying? Like, God, it's like there's a level of effort God has to put in to do things. 
no, no, not level of effort, like level of what he said. So like, for example, flip over to Revelation sometime and like all that stuff, like that would be the level where God says, you know, this is what is going to happen. And there's no amount of anything by anyone that's going to prevent this stuff I said from happening. It's absolutely going to happen. Up until then, we're told in like, is it Second Peter? How, you know, God's not slow in fulfilling his promises, but he is exercising incredible patience and forbearance, you know, uh, wanting everyone to come to repentance. So if he's allowing evil to happen, he's just giving people an extra, extra, extra amount of grace to recognize the error of their ways and repent. So the people killing people, the people, you know, doing all these evil actions, he's giving them time to repent. So it doesn't mean God's like, yes, do evil. That's what I want. I will evil. He's like, I'm giving you people patience. So take it, recognize you're wrong and repent. Uh, there's going to be a time, though, when God's like, okay, that's it. It's time for Revelation to start. Let's get this show on the road. We're done. So in other words, just let, me, let me be very clear then. You're saying, like, for example, the Uvalde school shooter, you would have stopped him. God didn't. And that's because God's not going to interfere with all of humanity until the end. He's like done. He's sitting back and waiting for everyone to get their chance. And then he's going to come in. And whatever happens, happens. It's irrelevant. God's God's will, it doesn't matter at this point. It's man is like kind of driving on the road. Hey, so, so that is... That is almost one. Yeah, I'll let, I'll let Chris jump in, but I just want to say that is almost one. Okay, to not be hyperbolic, that's like eighty something percent opposite of what I said. No, it's not like a DS God that's going to enact His will at some point. No, God like enacts with our lives very much. Um, no, so I, I don't know if that was willful or just quisitiveness, but that's that's completely very much the opposite of what I said. But go ahead, Chris, jump in. Uh, Carlton is in the chat about to jump out of his skin. But he, he's at work, so he can't jump in. What he's trying to say is, we have to take into account proximate causes. Maybe I can let Bubby elucidate that point. If Bubby's there, he may not be. He's dropping off his delinquent middle school brother to sneak <laughs> into the school right now. Well, did you want to say something on your own, Chris? So, okay, right. So there are primary and secondary causes, right? So we never say that God is the author of evil, nor do we say that, uh, you know, he is by his inaction endorsing acts of evil. So proximate causes would be a moral agent doing something that is clearly outside God's prescriptive will, but God allowing it because he is allowing free moral agents to act uh, on their own. Now, that sounds odd coming from a Calvinist, but again, this, this but, goes into compatibilism, right? But, but, but the issue there is, so is it just that I stop or that Nate would stop the school shooter from running in? Because God's a moral agent, the Nate's a moral agent, the Evaldi shooter's a moral agent. So Nate stopping the moral agent is okay. God stopping the moral agent is not okay. And I'm trying to figure out like why that. So it's not that it's not okay. It's just that God has chosen not to act in this particular moment. It's not that God never intervenes or acts within history. It's that he chooses his moments based on redemptive history. Okay. So and I mean, why... you know, there, I mean, to say people, people like escape justice. I mean, you know, again, it's that patience thing. It's like, you know, what if one bad action leads to another bad action? And they can find Jesus somewhere along there and receive mercy um, and grace. But if they don't, um, it's not like they're going to like go free just because justice takes what we think is a little little longer 
I mean, you know, there's a whole part in the Bible about, you know, being judged according to what you've done. So they're going to get what they deserve. That's that's fine, but it could have been getting what he deserves prior to shooting a bunch of children. Right. The the, the hardness of the we tongue. don't know what would right. happen. So now you're saying because we don't know what would happen, that it is a good thing that he shot. You're John Leeing it again. I'm not John Leeing it again. This is not a John Lee thing. This is you. This is the implication of the statement you're making. It's either the case that you say butterfly effect. That means there's an end that that means is justified that you don't know. You can say, well, yeah, you can say that. But I mean, you know, whenever, fine, I'll just say, who cares? Let's go ahead and get, get, your, get your little scissors and you, YouTube stuff ready, right? <clears throat> so by God not stopping this, are you saying it is good? Yes, sure. In the sense that everything ultimately is going to be just as it should. And if you are impervious to hearing me say God can take evil, bad things like this and use it for good. If you are absolutely incapable of moving the conversation along by me saying that, then sure, it's good. Clip it. Right. No, no, that's <laughs> but, fine. But no, please know for everyone that is actually listening, that's what I mean by that. That's fine. But then it seems weird or strange that you would say someone like getting an abortion is bad because it also would be to God's greater goodness that he's allowing that to happen. So in other words, there's a good that's going to come out of any action taken. That doesn't mean every action taken is deemed good, though. I mean, I mean, otherwise, like, you, you, I mean, you just have to argue with the entire Old Testament. Like, how many times is, you know, evil, uh, God talking about evil and the Israelites talking about evil, and they're like, because this people did evil, this people did evil. So you're arguing with, you know, some dude on the Internet, me, like try, trying to, like, I guess, get me to pronounce a judgment. Um, you know, in your favor of the argument, but no matter what I what I do or what your your thought is, the text itself disagrees with you. Like, you know, like how long will the Lord wait before you know he he gets justice on these people that did evil to me? And like God's saying, because of the evil you've done, so you've got the own guy we follow in our book calling things good and evil. So then you're trying to get me to be like, well, <laughs> ultimately everything is good. Um, well, I mean, you know, God Himself disagrees with you, so I I don't know where else to go. Um. How would you propose, what would you suppose I say to make this conversation end other than that? I mean, you know, God clearly just says some things are good, some things are evil. So I can say everything is good because of your reasoning, but then I would be incorrect according to God. So it would make sense to me, honestly, one of the, the answers here would be, oh, God has decided not to intercede at all until the end times. He sent his son and we're done. Until the end, there's nothing else that's going to happen. And oh, wait, that it, would make sense. Right. So that would have made sense. Right. So you don't believe that. Okay. So now God is picking and choosing which actions to stop. So now at that point, if he's picking which actions to stop, he's allowing other actions to happen. And you say those actions he wants to happen because he could have chosen to stop. And therefore, those are all good. So in other words, that's also any action that proceeds that we see as bad is actually good. So that's the whole evidential evil thing, right? You're saying there's really no such thing as evil anyway, because everything is according to God's plan and God is nothing but good. Uh, you're saying that. I'm not. I think you're trapped in your spider web of, of demons somewhere along there. Um, <laughs> like I, I was following you, but it just it feels like it's somewhere between like weaving a, weaving a web that's going in and out. I'm not sure what else to do with this. other than I, I mean, I, I, I know you've read the Bible a lot, right? 
Like, I, I know you're one of the people that have actually read the Old Testament a time or two. Yeah? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I don't want to say reread the entire Old Testament, but everything you're talking about, like, this, this is just addressed in the whole reading. I mean, you can say you disagree with it, or you think this is flaws and, you know, humans messed up, and this is why you don't believe in God. But, I mean, the text lays all this out. Like, not everything is good. It doesn't matter what someone's doctrine thinks. Like, you have God very much calling things good and evil and justice and mercy well, and grace, and it differentiates between all these things and explains it. So, I mean, well, by me telling you this, I'm just doing a hatchet job of the Bible that thoroughly well, explains all of this. No, no, but to be clear, in the Old Testament, when God intervenes, it's literally stated, and here's God intervening, and typically because he was summoned. Hey, God, come do this for me, and God comes and does some stuff. And when people are doing it to other people and stuff, it's literally them just doing it to each other and having fun, killing each other, murdering, chopping people up and all that stuff. And God's not involved because he's just an observer. So the Old Testament God watches down and comes down when asked. So when you call him up, he comes down and does some stuff. Otherwise, he's uninvolved. Uh, wait, no, that's that's see. I, I'm increasingly getting backed into like a dismissive, dismissive corner, which makes Malcalfi in chat. But the corner I'm being backed into more and more is, bro, read the Bible. Except I'm, I mean, that's a corner because it's like, well, you know, it's a big ask to say, hey, go back and read, you know, a giant, giant book. We can't continue until then. That sounds dismissive. So, I mean, I'm trying to avoid that. But I mean. What you're saying, like, you know, God, God waits till he's summoned and then he answers. Um, that's just wrong. Like that happens. Some people will pray and God will respond. But there's plenty of times when, you know, God will say through a prophet or something or get his prophet knowledge like, hey, um, you people, you know, you're idolaters. You're doing this. You're going back. You're you're doing these bad things I've forbidden. I've commanded you not to. Therefore, things like he makes the ground like open up and swallow lots of people. So, you know, he does plenty of things where no one is summoning him. Like they're they're running the other direction from him because they're doing sins and doing things he forbids. So he independently acts without being summoned. Um, so I mean, you know, there, there's maybe it's been a little while since you've read through the Old Testament. No, but what I mean is that what we don't see is person A murdered person B because God allowed it to happen. Right? We Wait, don't do we mean? don't see that. We see person A murdered person B because God wanted it to happen. How about Cain and Abel? Right. It's person A like, murdered person B without God interfering, period. God knew and didn't stop. And it wasn't – and God still punished Cain afterwards. So it was an action that God did not want and did not, like, desire to happen, despite honestly having no idea why he chose one person's offering and not oh. the other. Let's, let's not even go there. So no, Crap, wait, so oh, no oh, hang on, hang on. Oh, one, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, 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 sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, hang on one second, one second. Ah, don't lose my train of thought. I just thought of something. Rap, my long suffering has paid off. I, I just thought of something. Hang on, well, dear, didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, well, I guess I started first, but hang on. Um, I thought of something. I don't want to lose it. Oh, I wanted to make that point. I think somehow there has to be, and this is my logic, um, there has to be a balance, right? Because if God did as you would maybe want um, and made everything good, what point would there be in an afterlife? What point would be peop would people make in like considering their mortality? I It'd think I. Oh, this is my thoughts. Um, if you can read my mind, maybe that's a sign. Oh, I thought that was a. I'm sorry. I thought that was a question. No, no. Uh, hang on. There's two questions. I'm just trying to remember this because it's like it's like a tenuous grasp I'm having, but. 
if there's not a balance, like if everything is, is all bad um, and God just allows all manner of badness to happen and go unchecked, well, then we could have extincted ourselves thousands of years ago or whatever, a long, long time ago because the earth was so bad and so evil, kind of like Noah and the flood. Um, so maybe God intervened to present, prevent things from being incredibly evil. However, if he went around making everything completely good, how evil would that be? Because so many people would end up in hell because if everything's good, like usually that's not when you consider religion and God and theism. It's usually when there's some bad stuff you observe, like someone died of cancer, someone got in a car wreck. Why, God? Why? Why is evil? And at least you may not like the idea of a God because of the evil, but it allows you to – it makes you want to question things and think, I'm not going to live forever. If nothing bad ever happened and God's like prevented everything, well, to what level? Because, I mean, you know, would, m many people would consider death bad. So does that mean we have 110 billion people who have ever existed still existing? And if That's we what, did, all those hundred, all those 110 billion people would have not died, so they would have kept been reproducing. So at this point, there may not, there wouldn't be enough oxygen on the planet Earth. So what? God just magically stacks us like an ant house on top of each other, and we're like he's building a tower of Babel full of people. And I, that's not hyperbole, because if if you say if God just prevents evil, it's not like reductio ad absurdum. It's not taking your argument and then criticizing a, a stupid stupid uh, rabbit trail like. People really consider death as something negative. So if you prevent shootings, prevent killings, prevent you know rape and murder and all the other stuff, I mean, you would prevent death. That's not a small thing. So if he prevents death for everyone, that's going to be a problem. And if he just keeps preventing any amount of evil from happening, that's eventually going to be evil in itself because it's like, well, you're not dying. Oh, well, you're stacked on people. Well, there's not oxygen. Well, you'll just go out in space. Well, now you're too cold. So, I mean, at some point, people so are always going to have a problem. So what's heaven? Huh? What is heaven? No, heaven is exactly what I'm saying now, except with room to accommodate and also so, in a glorified existence. So just start there. Right? Don't don't right. bother with okay, the right. earth thing. Just just start with the heaven thing and get right. everything well, you just said with no problems. So you can have a world of no sin, everyone happy, no death, no sin, no problems, no evil, and everyone happy, living forever with in, eternally increasing numbers because there's plenty of room without stacking. If God right. can do that, just do that. So that is uh, – th this is – I'm somewhere between frustrated and actually happy. Like that's where I think we should start. So forgetting all this Uvalde, all this other stuff, all this running out of O2, um, why don't we just start with heaven? And why did God make things – why did he even make matter? Why did he even make material? Why couldn't we just start out uh, you know, in this heavenly state? Yeah. That is the place to criticize God. So for me – I believe the character and personality of this God I know, I sense, I read in the Bible, I believe is good, is loving, is just, is all these good, positive things. So if there's something like that I don't completely have my head wrapped around, like why did God bother making planets at all? I'm willing to give him an incredible benefit of the doubt based on everything else I claim to know about this God and be like, I trust you. You got this. While you well, um, you know, would, would say you don't even believe in this guy, uh, but if he is real— then that's what should have happened. And I guess at that point, you know, it's Joshua 24. You know, if you think it's evil to serve this God or deny his existence, then you do you. But as for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. So that is a valid criticism. I mean, I don't think it's a valid criticism, but I mean, from your standpoint, that's the, th that's the time to criticize God. Not why does he allow evil things on this earth to happen, but just go all the way to the source. Why even make earth? That's the place to criticize God, which I think God is good and God has this for a reason. And you would say that, you know, that would probably make him evil if he exists.
Because well, he okay. didn't just do that, right? So your, your other issue is, though, and you said this earlier, is that you say, look, God is your standard of good. And so it's kind of like, you know, back in the 1800s when they had the bar that was one meter long in France, you say, is there a better meter than that meter? Well, of course not. That's what a meter is. It's exactly that length. There is no way to come up with a better answer. So anything that's a little bit longer, not a meter. Anything a little shorter, not a meter. So if you set your bar as whatever God does is good, my next question would be, and I don't mean to be flippant here or pedantic, but good for what? What is it good for? Like if I say this tastes good, it's good because I like the taste and will get pleasure from tasting it. If it's good for money, it's because I'm going to accumulate more wealth by doing this action. So when you say it is good, is it good for humanity? Is it good for happiness? Is it what is it good? What is God good? Well, if it's war, <laughs> absolutely nothing. But I mean, we're told everything is ultimately for God's good pleasure. So, so I wonder. I, I don't disagree. I think there's I think there's plenty of answers to that. But is that? Gosh, I, I realize how this sounds as I say it, but I, I still it's worth saying. Is that the right question? Is everything because you know God wants our special little happiness? I think God does care about us. You know, He sent His Son to die for us because He loves us that much. So He does care about our special little butterfly feelings to a point. But if you want to know what's the ultimate thing, is it good? Well, the ultimate thing is glory for God, glory for the One who made us. Because without Him, nothing exists that exists. Sure, all of it, good, bad, whatever, it, it, it transcends good and bad, and it's just an absolute. So everything is for God's glory. So not everything is about the ultimate happiness and special feelings of people. I think he does take that into account, which is the entire point of the gospel. That's why God dies, because he cares about us. But ultimately, what is God good for? God is good for everything. It's an absolute, everything, everything in existence and the sovereignty of God. So everything is for God. God doesn't need to appeal to anyone. The fact that he does, and it's like, hey, I've made a way you can hang out and you know be reconciled forever in heavenly bliss with me. Um, that's a bonus. Like no one deserves that. Like God could be like, hey, I'm good by myself. I don't, I don't need anyone. Um, so I would say that. Oh, you know, this goes back to the point. I think it was right before you showed up, Robin, Rabbit. But it was, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's evil if someone thinks they are kinder than God. So the same way you would think this God is, is, you know, kind of like evil or whatever because he doesn't stop evil and therefore, you know, it gets to either what is he good for or, you know, basically you're saying you could do a better job than God. Like, I hate to use the term evil, but I mean, you know, it's just like a binary, just, you know, light and dark, one and two. So, I mean, you know, if evil is a two, I think it's a two when people try to say with no knowledge of the infinite, like they could do a better job than God or they're pronouncing kindness because God allows it while they don't even have their head around is God calling this good or is just saying God just saying like, this is allowed. Like we can't even like parse our way through that completely. Cause we just don't know. But if they're like, but I could do a better job than good than God. I think that's evil an evil position. Anyway, that was the very start. I think that was before you showed up. Yeah. But the, um, to that end though, you mentioned it before. And I thought last time I asked, you said you weren't sure what it was. So we're back to, so it's good what, for what, God's what? glory. What is glory? Oh, yeah, I do remember this. Hey, remember when I also started that conversation, like, with a way to, like, hand wave all this all this away? Yet, okay, that's not going to work. We're doomed to repeat yeah. this stuff. <laughs> oh, hang well, on. Uh, well, dear. Do you want to, 
I, 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 mean, I guess we can we can have that same conversation again. Like, what is glory? I don't know, man. God exists. He's just like I well, exist. Do what you, you just want. said. It was, but you just said goodness was for it. So you said the purpose of goodness is for God's glory. Well, what's no, no, I'm talking about how I'm talking. I'm talking about how you how you nuance everything out. Like, what is glory? And I remember that conversation. And if anyone else wants to know what we're talking about, just type in like for God's glory. Like you, you can find you can find the video. Um, Anyways, but I mean, there, there's no way to know. We know what the Bible talks about. And we could say, well, it's it's because God is ruler or God is king or God is a sovereign. Well, what does sovereign mean? Well, yes. look at, look well, at our kings. Look at sovereign. That one's Look easier. at sovereign. <clears throat> right. Right. So, I mean, so if we just give you like what glory is based on like the biblical, biblical explanation, that may not be satisfactory because, you know, it doesn't it says for God's glory. And I mean, we can make a reasonable case for what that is. But what if we're wrong? And God's like, wow, no dumb humans. Like, this is what glory actually means. While me and you talk for an hour and a half on glory, and we're both getting it completely wrong. Because we don't know. Um, but, uh, little dear, did you still want to say something? Three, two, one. Sorry. Are you there? I was just, I'm getting lunch ready for today. So here's... Uh, We've kind of gone past that, but it was just basically how come it is when God does do something to defeat and get rid of evil like Noah's flood, that's held against him. But then when he doesn't do it, that's held against him. I don't I don't get it. Really? You know, when you don't he get does that? intervene and do something, everybody cries and whines about it. Oh, that was so evil. But then when he lets evil continue on. They whine and cry about that. How come are you not Wait, doing something it's about be, it? It's because their original contention in the first place is one of two places. A, why is evil existing in the first place? Why does that even have to be there to get rid of or to set justice to? And second, if there is evil and there's a natural consequence, why isn't the minimum, quote-unquote, amount of evil needed? For example, with the Noah's example, they would have said, okay, that's cool. He got rid of evil, quote-unquote. But did we really need a flood to get rid of evil? He's God. Couldn't he be just snapped his fingers and changed all their minds in order to be good automatically? That's the type of argument they're going for. Not that, oh, he's, he's fixed the evil. It's why didn't he fix it, fix it, rather than just temporarily remedy it. It's kind of what they're going and instead or, of. But instead of them being like, well, you know, God could, uh, you know, this God did everything. He created matter. He created angels. He created all this stuff. Like, instead of thinking, okay, this guy's clearly got a handle on what he wants to do, so, you know, I will trust them. I've seen enough evidence of the goodness of God, um, but they have not. So they would take the, I don't know, probably literal satanic position of pride that caused the fall, uh, you know, that caused him to get shot out of heaven in the first place, which was, I should be God. I can do a better job than God. I will set myself up as God. And, I mean, goodness, I, it doesn't sound flattering. But, I mean, that's exactly, like, the first sin they're doing. So, I mean, it, it is ego. It is pride. And they could say it's for any amount of humanitarian reasons. But if you're saying, no, I'll take the driver's side. Uh, you know, God, you did good, you know, I guess creating stuff or, you know, allowing me to exist so I can challenge you. But here, let me take it from here. And that's – I mean, there's no way to say it. That's just like a prideful position, which is just what the devil did. So if this was like an angel version – I like to think that, you know, maybe me and Bobby would have little floating angel wings and be like, God is good. I will follow God. Thank you, God, for sustenance, for sustaining me, for life. 
And, you know, these contenders would be like, I don't know, part of the crowd that was kicked out of heaven for following the guy that said he was going to be God and maybe make things better or more like his image or more like his will. I, I don't know. Well, and the other thing Rabbi, is, I feel bad, Rabbi. I called you, I've called you Satan and I've called you evil. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I, I like you, I promise. Totally I'm totally Well, and that was just it. His, You know, one of his other questions, but sorry, Rabbit, I don't mean to be pointing at you, but, but I'm just trying to wrap my head around all this. You know, why didn't God create heaven to begin with and all of us just live there? He did. It was called the Garden of Evil. And we chose Eden. to go our Eden. own way. Or the Garden of Eden. And, and we chose to go our own way. Well, he put so a tree this there. Is, right, he didn't have to put yeah. that tree there. Well, yeah, he didn't have to put yeah. that tree and say, don't eat but this one would, tree. Why we wouldn't have had why any did choice. Put, we would have been robots, right? We would have been the why robots. Would you be, I'm so sorry, why don't like, you just well, create your robot of you? Oh, well, Little deer. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Back me up. If God didn't plant that tree, humans would be robots. We would have had, we wouldn't have had choice. There was lots of and choice. The choice, the choice yeah, is choice. what God. What? Adam had a lot of choices. If the tree like, was it, not there, if yeah, the tree was have, not there, he had lots right? of choice. The choice would have been to only love God. We wouldn't have chose to go our own way, right? Wait, he didn't stop loving God. But this is the he same argument we it. just talked about. You but know a... better than God. Like, no, if the tree no, wouldn't the have been is... there, like, Mars could have crashed into Venus and Earth could have gotten the cause, like, radioactive dust or something. Wait, and so God made it. Planet. God had to make it such that there was a tree in that garden that was, like, what he had to do. He well, couldn't again, do it any to... other way but a tree. Well, well, back God up one chose. more step. Like, like let's like I, I expect the mathematician in the group to to go to like the lowest common denominator. So forget matter, forget humans. Why did God make it so angels could rebel? So I mean, not to dismiss this point, but lowest common denominator. Let's go before humans existed. Why did God make it so Satan in the first place even could rebel? That's the question to ask, and no one knows. Okay. But presumably, it's the same answer. Like, couldn't he have just forced angels to never do anything? But if he would have done that, well, then maybe humans never would have been created. So maybe, you know, you were never well, born even, a little baby even, evil rabbit. Well, even more unclear, like, for example, under Job, had the angels rebelled at that point? When Job, when the story of Job happened, had the angels rebelled? Yes, I think so. Yes. Oh, yeah. Why? Why do you think so? Because they were actually obeying God. What? They were obeying God at that point. Why do you think that? Hey, God, I think this man only worships you because he's having such a great life. And God says, you know what? I think he worships me because he loves me regardless of my life. In fact, and says, oh. says, the, says the advocate, <clears throat> hey, maybe not, the adversary, hey, I'm not sure I believe that. Okay, says God, take away all of his stuff. The guy didn't do that. The angels didn't do that prior to God telling him to do it. So he was literally following God's orders to do that. Rebellious angels wouldn't do that. They would have left the seed of doubt planted in God's mind and just let it grow. Right? That would have been a much more devious thing to do. They actually followed the orders of God. And when it was over, 
They said, yep, looks like you were right, and gave him back his stuff. So they they totally followed God's orders. Don't hurt Job, said the, said oh. God, and they didn't hurt him. Uh, yeah, I see the, uh, the confusion. Sorry, I got a phone call and I still managed to listen, though. Um, by angels, you mean Satan. So, yeah, so it doesn't mean that Satan hadn't rebelled. Yes, Satan has already very much been kicked out of heaven, shot to the ground. So, you know, like other people will say, how could he get to heaven if he's been kicked out? I mean, <clears throat> this is another thing that does not require a lot of thought. Like, I don't think he's in heaven, like, you know, in the in the great, good, you know, good presence of God being like buddy, buddy. Clearly not. But does that mean he, he can't communicate? Well, no, because like read Job, they communicate. But by saying he uh, just because he obeys, like that would be one of the things where ultimately, you know, God is in control. And if he forces Satan to do something, Satan will do it. So to think that Satan, for what whatever reason, like maybe Satan, you know, of some free will is like, sure, I'll obey. Let me let me do this of his own. Or if God's like, hey, just don't kill him. Maybe Satan's like, oh, well, I wouldn't have killed him anyways because, you know, I'm in a mess with his generations down the road. So I wasn't going to kill him anyways. So I'll obey you, not because like God commanded him to obey, but because it's what he was already going to do. Or if right. he's like, no, no, I really want. Ah, hang on. Like, no, no, I no, really, no, really on. want. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. If he's like, I really, really want to kill him, and God's like, do not kill him. And he's like, oh, crap. Well, you've given me a direct command I cannot violate. Ah, fine. Then I guess I won't kill him because I can't kill him. In what way are they not rebelling? Or are they rebelling? Excuse me. In what way in Job does it show that they're in rebellion? Oh, you Give mean me like a perpetual? No. Uh, yeah. No, I don't What's need to because I agree with you. No, you're talking about a perpetual rebellion. Like I think Satan perpetually hates God because he got kicked out of heaven and is damned to a lake of fire for all eternity. But all it took was one sin. It's like Adam and Eve. Like, you know, they they ended up being being back in, you know, on, on God's good enough side. Like after, you know, they after they did that, you know, God hooked them up with clothes and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, so they were like restored, but things were never as it was. So, you know, they had the sin and that ushered in the fall of humanity for all time. Uh, so when Satan sinned, it's, whenever Satan sinned, it's not like every single time God wants something, Satan's like rebelling 1000% of the time. So the thing that got him kicked out of heaven, the rebellion was when Satan tried to set himself up as God. That was the sin. That was pride. That was the rebellion. So then if, if Satan's like, God's like, don't kill him. And whether because he can't or because he won't, that doesn't have to be a perpetual rebellion. You get that, right? So when we talk about Satan rebelled no. and got kicked out of heaven, it was one specific thing. It was he had pride, and that was the sin, and he tried to set himself up as God. That's the rebellion. So, I mean, we totally think Satan hates God and all of God's creation, you, by the way, and, and all this other stuff, and he is at war with God and enmity with God, but that doesn't mean he can't ever do one thing God says to do. Okay. Seems like a very want... weird definition of uh, God of Satan rebelling, but okay. So well, that's, I mean, like, that's the Christian often, understanding for thousands of years. I mean, that's that's just how, how it is. That Satan, that Satan is primarily doing God's beckoning. Like Satan is God's heavy man, is what you're saying in that case. Right? Satan, when God also calls on Satan, Satan does what he wants. Well, no, you just said also when not... Satan is when so Satan example, is called if... on, he does his God's bidding. So Satan obeys God just like Michael and Gabriel. So for, you know, for example, if Satan has his little thorny clutches in you and uh, God knows your end state will be to be a good little preacher rabbit. 
and uh, repent and believe the good news. Um, and Satan is like hovering around you, like, ha ha, I'm gonna, you know, uh, I know lightning's gonna strike here, and I'm gonna like lead this guy right where lightning's gonna strike. And God's like, no, you're not. And uh, Satan's like, ah, he's like, but I wanna. And God's like, no, you're not. And uh, Satan's like, okay, well, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just lead him close enough to a tree that he's gonna get some, some, some bad effects from it, but not die. And maybe God's just like, whatever. And he does that. And Satan's like, ha ha, this is going to like solidify his faith because if there was a God, how could he allow this to happen? And then a tree gets struck, you get injured, and you're like, wow, I see the light, I see God. And now you're a good little preacher rabbit. Like no matter how ridiculous that scenario sounds, like that's exactly what we're talking about here. And I mean, I, it's a perfectly reasonable hypothesis. Um, we've got testimonies of things like that happening. Like, you know, what perhaps somebody, even if we're not talking about a spiritual Satan or demon that no one can prove or disprove, like we've seen testimonies of natural people trying to do similar things, like, you know, they'll write a memoir or something thinking that they'll do something to to kind of poke at Christianity or God or these people's belief, whether through people that end up being near martyrs or imprisoned or something like that. And both the would-be martyr and the person doing that, uh, you know, think this person's doing a very evil thing. And the guy doing that's like, well, you know, to, to get them to recant the religion or something like that. But as a result, the would-be martyr's faith is strengthened and the would-be murderers uh, has found faith. So, I mean, there's all kinds of, of things like that, but we just don't know, you know, how much is wishful thinking or how much is actually legit. But anyways, so perfectly reasonable does, hypothesis. I, I hope you don't get struck by lightning, though. Does Michael and Gabriel, angels, archangels, Michael and Gabriel, do they do what God tells them? Sure. Does Satan do what God tells him? I don't know. Like, if God commands it, like, you know, you shall not kill him, I think Satan's hands are bound and he can't do anything about it. If God's like, hey, uh, you know, former good buddy, you know, I'd really, I'm not going to force you, but it'd be really great if you didn't kill this guy. Is there, an example, of, is there, an, ex is there an example of that? Uh, one sec, Steph. Don't we have a clear... Oh, 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 yeah, I, I want to hear your clear thing that I'm... I'm clearly missing but i mean satan has his own mind like he has his own will so maybe for whatever you know if god's like hey look you know you you um it's not a command so do what you want but it'd be great if you didn't kill this guy satan has his own mind it's like uh you know it's like he's playing checkers and god's playing chess but maybe he thinks he can thwart god still um or just do as much damage as he can because he knows he's doomed so maybe for some reason he will or will not kill someone uh, based on his own mind uh, yeah, Steph, what clear example am I missing? Oh, no, it, it's a question because I, I actually oh. don't know. Uh, but don't we have, I was going to say, a, a clear line where there was like a before and after. So the angels initially were created with free will. There was the fall of Lucifer and the angels lost free will and then man was created. Wasn't there a timeline like that? I'm not sure what you're what you're talking about um, okay i may have to research it but that's been that's my understanding is that after the fall of lucifer angels no longer had free will there was a this massive shift and then man was created with free will again and there's there's some parts of the bible where it's like recalling back to what a shame it was that lucifer had free will Someone i don't know father chris to... do you do you have any uh thoughts to share on that father chris his Mic's off. Are like, you trying I don't to talk? think you, I made that you. up. I need to, I might have made it up. I don't know. Anyway, Reb, uh, yeah, I, I, if Chris is trying to talk, we don't hear you, Chris. 
Yeah, I'm not familiar with uh, anything that would suggest the Angels did have free will, but now they don't. Um, I mean, we, I mean, even if you had free will, why would you do anything other than just like absolute maniacal evil, trying to like hurt as much of God's creation as you can? Because you know that's one of the things that God is not, uh, you know, permitting anything different. He's like, no, you're going to be in a lake of fire forever. So it's like, well, I guess I'm just going to do the most damage I can and take as many people as I can with me. Okay, well, a couple of things on this. If Satan is in a lake of fire, how is he not in the lake of fire doing things? He's not there yet. Again, the Bible tells you I this. Thought, like, you know, he roams I about he seeking who he can devour. No. We've, so he's like, not been when punished Rebel, yet. Yeah, when, well, I mean, the, ha- hasn't been punished at all. I mean, getting kicked out, going from heaven to this place would be a pretty big punishment. But no, like we're also told like, you know, angels are kept in chains of gloomy gloomy darkness, you know, like waiting their punishment and all this other stuff. So yeah, we totally believe like the devil and, you know, demons are hanging out here on earth, influencing things for evil. Um, So so yeah, there will be a time when they are, you know, in this lake of fire along with everyone else who decides to align with them. So let me, let me, your theology though is I'm I'm fascinated by it because in your story, God makes beings with free will, and they screw up, and he goes, darn it, okay, let's do that again, but even weaker. So I'm going to create a bunch of people that are less powerful than angels, but still with this free will thing, I'm going to, t- I'm going to do a beta run like it's going to be. We, I know I fixed the bugs this time. V2 will work out. Darn it, it didn't work this time either. Why do these people keep screwing up? That is such a fascinating theology. Uh, Except that's uh, not my theology. Like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm talking about matter of fact things, and you're assigning like you know goofy clown dad in a sitcom to God. I'm not doing that. You think obviously what you're positing. Um. So so we both would agree in the matter of facts because I mean you you did a reasonably fair job of of what I would say. So matter of factly, we're we're pretty much in line. But the reasoning behind it, the part that you know the Bible doesn't give us, and we should not be so arrogant to presume. I think God has reasons. God is not ridiculously dumb, so I give the benefit of the doubt that God has a plan and God knows what he's doing. You seem to take the other side, and that's the difference. So that – what you your reasoning is not my theology. The matter-of-fact stuff we talk about, you know, God created angels. You know, a third of them rebelled. They sinned. They got kicked to earth. God created humans. Uh, they did the one thing God told them not to do. We agree on that, I mean, at least as far as the story goes. Um, but then the reasoning – we differ wildly, yet you're saying, based on the reasoning, that is also my theology, and that's just dead wrong. Rab, Rab, I, you're making a tragic mistake, and I want to save you from your strange, um, <clears throat> strange line of questioning. The main character of the Bible isn't God. The main character of the Bible is humanity. So you need to read the story from the perspective of humanity. These are the people that wrote their experience of history and of their relationship with God. But you can't, it's silly to ask of the Bible um, the questions you're asking. It's not written that way. Abba, I would like to say, I I agree with your position on this. I do not believe Nate or Steph necessarily share your view of that biblical reading. But I, if that was their position, that this is the story of humanity as they understand and grow to understand what God wants and as they change and evolve and figure things out over time, 
that would be a wonderful story. I'm not convinced Steph and Nate are considering the the Bible that. I understand. I mean, I no, no, no. I get, Rabbi, I totally get that. But that's exactly why your line of questioning is going to always result in you continuing to say, but why, but why, but why, but why? They're being very clear with you about they're not taking the text of the Bible that way. They are, um, they, they, I'm one of, I'm trying to be as, as generous as I can here, right? That they believe that their entire theology derives from the Bible, right? But what they're missing is that the theology that they are putting forth is placed into the Bible, right? And only kind of circularly derives from the Bible, right? They're finding the things, the passages, the verses that say, these are the things that support our doctrine. And I, the reason I know that they do that is because that's what everybody does, right? That's not a unique um, phenomena, right? So when you go backwards and say, okay, now that you have this worked out systematic theology, Christians, now I want to ask you all the questions from the beginning, that's going to be an impossible task to answer because they've already retrofitted the whole thing. So if you want to ask questions of the Bible about original or ancient cultural meaning, go to the academics. Don't go to religious people. And I say this as a religious person, uh, right? I would say don't look at rabbinic commentaries to try to understand what uh, ancient Israelites tell you. Rabbinic commentaries are going to tell you what they thought in their time about what the ancients thought. But that's very different than asking what did the ancients actually think. You're you're just you're just running you're you're taking their premises and saying, okay, if this is right, then let's explain why 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 why. But that's not how this stuff works, even in religion. Right? I believe so this is how it works in their religion. We're only on a we are on a need to know basis, right? And if you if you kind of take that approach, right? that even the people who wrote the Bible are just trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out the human condition and their own political, economic, historical circumstance. Based on, right? And they don't know everything. Obviously, they don't know everything. Read the book. It's very clear they don't know everything. So they're just trying to figure it out. So don't demand of the text some kind of knowledge that it doesn't think it has anyway. And so I was listening very carefully and the first thing that you said we, we would disagree with um, Abba on, um, I, I mean, there would be like very, very minor disagreements, but I really didn't. I mean, you know, like the, the most, whatever you said, the, the main person in the Bible isn't God, but people or whatever. Um, I mean, that, that I would, you know, disagree because uh, I don't know, philosophical reasons or something like, you know, with without God, nothing exists. So whatever, that doesn't matter. I'm not going to push back on that. But I, I'm splitting the difference, and I mean, I can go quite a ways down that road with Rabbi, um, as far as when he says, you know, why are you asking these people to answer, you know, questions that, you know, even the text from his point of view doesn't answer anyway. And I would say there's a lot of that stuff, like what we're talking about right now, like how long has he been suffering down there in chat to say what he said? And I would not disagree with most of it. I think where we disagree is where I would make absolute claims, like the actual points of Christianity, the main points. But I agree with him and would echo what he says about the stuff we're talking about now because the text doesn't even, I mean, doesn't even try to give us answer. It just says, this is what happened. And here we are talking like 
Why did it happen? Why did God do this? What's the mind of God? We have no idea. Like as a Christian that, you know, Reb would say, you know, presumes way more than he should. Um, I don't presume that. I agree with him. Like if the Bible is silent, um, we should be silent or at least let it be known that it's hypothesis that we have no idea what's true or false. We can put some working theories out there that sound pretty good. But this stuff, like why did God do everything? We don't know. But then I think where Rab and I would, would disagree, obviously, I mean, you know, obviously, is the absolute claims. Like he, he just said, if you want to know the answer, like go to the academics. I would say if you want to know the answer, you know, the absolute claims, pray to Jesus, go straight to Jesus, repent, believe the gospel, accept it. Many of these questions will start to go away almost by magic or God just saying. So that's where we would disagree. I, I think um, Rabbit or uh, Abba and I can go pretty. Abba and I almost done. Abba and I can go pretty far down down his road. Um, but then I would I would leave him at a point where I'm like, no, no, I'm going to stay here. We shouldn't be so presumptive about the text. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to go down this fork where um you know I start making absolute claims. But those absolute well, claims I make are the very very basics of Christianity about knowing so, the mind of God, I agree with Abba all day long. We don't know exactly what God was thinking or why God did what God did. We just don't know. Okay. So we can then trust God. Briefly, all right. Sorry, that's it. So, I was going to say it would take us, sorry, Rabbit, I, it would take us to 1 Corinthians 1. Okay. You know, so where... briefly, Nate said to pray, what if Satan answers my prayers? Then you're deceived and it's God's will. What okay. the no? <laughs> I, I'm just trying to be quick. He, he doesn't no. like it when I give long answers. I'm just trying to be quick. Yeah, but like, when, wouldn't that be it? So how would praying help you determine what the answer was if not going to well, a scholar to verify it? This is one of those claims I'll make. You know, when Jesus says, seek and you'll find me, if someone is honestly, you know, seeking this Jesus of the Bible and praying to exercising little faith that this Jesus of the Bible exists and they're seeking Jesus of the Bible, I believe God will exert will and prevent some way, shape or form from some nefarious spiritual nastiness grabbing a hold of you and deceiving you. That is my claim. That is my belief based on the words of Jesus. So if you're so seeking what? the, if you're seeking, well, to, to be thorough, I tried being quick and that was bad. So let me try. To the so it, it's okay. We'll stop. It was bad. Anyways. So if someone is seeking like the great spirit being or the great energy crystal, or I don't know the great beyond the great goddess of beyond. Yeah. There's a great chance. God's not going to stop you from getting deceived and you're going to find something really messed up. Um, but if you're specifically looking at Jesus of the Bible and that's the guy you're appealing to, God's got you. So just to confirm, everybody who reads the Bible and prays to say, I don't know what to do, and God answers them in their mind, they are correct because God is answering at that point. There's no one that's ever been deceived on their reading of the Bible by anyone. So they are always correct if they have prayed. So the the, the mega preacher who said... It was God's will, according to what I heard in my head, it was God's will that I ask everyone for money to get a plane so I could spread the board more. I read the verse. I really, truly believe it. He can't be wrong. Well, no, we now that is that a definition. Can of I add something? Adam we would uh, argue well, can that I, can that I, person was can aware. I, can, I, can I answer real quick? <laughs> no, Rab, you know that's not what I mean. For If, if someone's talking about a G6, you're on your own. You're so far away from like salvation and the fundamentals of Christianity. We just are not going to talk about that. And you know it, right? Like, you know what you're saying. 
If you're like, hey, Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You must be born again. If anyone wants these waters of eternal life, I will freely give to anyone who asks. That would look something like this. Jesus of the Bible, I've read about you. I know you. I know you say seek you and we'll find you. You say we must be born again. I want this thing. Like, I can't say myself. I'm willing to admit I don't have the answers. I believe by faith. You do. Give me eternal life. You say it's free. I want that. I will follow you. Make me this born again, you know, Christian disciple of yours. Here I am. If you're like sincere, great. That's the point. If someone does that, they mean that, they believe that, they can grab onto that. Um, you said if God answers you in your mind, that's a whole other subject. That's not how that works. I mean, if people, whatever, but just know that's another, another thing, but that, so if that gets you to eternal life, that's as far as I care to take that. If that gets you to say, okay, well, I sort of quasi believe this, but now I'm starting a cult. Also another category we can talk about. So the goal of Christianity is to get someone to eternal life. That's it. Uh, okay. Steph and someone else. I, I think I remember Steph, Steph, go ahead. Marquise, you wanted to ar- it was Marquise. Okay. Steph, go ahead. Uh, I I would say to answer Reb's question, we would argue that the mega preacher who is saying that the Bible told him to collect money from people for his mansion knows, like, that that's wrong. We we would like even as much as that person may stand at the pulpit and say, "God told me to do this." I mean, he he, we would argue that he knows. He knows the per the the person who says they're a Christian is cheating on their wife. They know that that's not biblical and that's habitual sin right so i think it's a little bit of a false claim to say like oh both nate and joel osteen would claim the same correctness i think they might but joel osteen knows that that's not what he should be doing i'd add to that even if he doesn't know there is an objective way to substantiate you know their claim simply because According to what Jesus says of himself in being the way, the truth, and the life, and according to what the Bible says as far as all scripture being God-breathed, it is necessarily non-contradictory, at the very least thematically. Textual variance, all that different stuff is a, a different conversation, obviously. But the point being, something can be sin and not be sin, or be right and also be wrong in the very same way. It's like law of non-contradiction type stuff. So, if... The Bible, if, if God is answering a person, we can safely and by faith, but I also think it's it's clear, logically uh, clear and logically deduce that if Jesus is going to say something and he's claiming to be truth and he's going to speak to a person in their mind, if he's speaking to a person in their mind, he's not going to contradict what he's already established as absolutely true in the thing that he's already revealed to humanity, i.e. the Bible. So if somebody's saying, oh, yeah, God said this in my mind, and then we go into the Bible, you know, which none of us wrote and say, oh, that's a direct contradiction in like literary context, grammatical context, social context, whatever. We can easily rule that out as "Mm, I don't think Jesus told you that because if Jesus told you that he'd be contradicting verses eight through thirty seven, you know, that that kind of perspective is how I, I believe most Christians would respond to that as far as delineating what's a legitimate claim and what's ridiculous, ridiculous, like the G6. 
Yeah, and remember, there's I mean, there's no shortage of mixing and matching, right? So, so how much does someone, you know, like a, a televangelist pastor, how much does someone legitimately mean and sincerely believe and hold a heart, you know, what we just talked about, um, versus they are in grievous error um, of their ways, knowing it's it's willful sin or disobedience to God, versus how much do, do they have good intentions? Um, where they've gone astray, where they've let their own selfish desires cloud their judgment, uh, where they, they think they're doing right by asking for money they're going to spend on airplanes, or, you know, maybe just asking money for charity. That's where it started. And now it's led to airplanes. And, you know, they need to recognize that. So there's no shortage of that. But the point for everyone else is not to be fruit. In, I mean, it is judge rightly for Christians. But, you know, to the person questioning like you, you know, you rabbit, um, is getting someone to that mark where that person is saved, forget everyone else. So do does the person in question, do you believe that? Are you willing to believe, you know, by faith, this God, ask him to forgive you, save you, make you born again, give you eternal life? Congratulations. Do you mean that? Do you believe that? Does your life line up with the Bible, with the words of Jesus, like someone who believes that, or does it not? And then, um, you know, le- I, I would humbly suggest, leaving the what about this person what about this person that said they're a christian but you know ran their car through a bunch of people because of road rage what about that person what about that person god knows that person did they have a stroke did they mean it from like the the seat of evil in their heart um don't know doesn't matter that's not you but, um, but i'm not so, including those people those, those people i'm not including okay yeah so i mean the only i mean i would just say the only one that should be included for this discussion because we're not trying to save the world. We're trying to save, I mean, you know, we are trying to save the world. But I mean, we're not trying to like pronounce this for everyone else. We're trying to pronounce this to the person in question. So, I mean, in, in this case, that would be you because <laughs> we're talking to you. And if it was, you know, someone else, it would be that specific person. So instead of then shifting the burden or shifting to someone else, like, what about them? What about them? What about you? Uh, the royal you, you know, for whoever we were talking about. Something Rab, at the end of the day, what you're really asking is about first principles, and you're just challenging the first principles of Christianity, or at least these Christians. And at the end of the day, there is no, you don't prove axioms. <clears throat> you just accept them, and then you derive everything from that point. So if you have an issue with, you know, the first principles and the starting points of these theologies, that's where your issue is. Your issue isn't in the implications of that. Your issue is in that. So, so all of these questions about the particulars and the down and, and the down and dirty details about what about this case and what about this case and what about this case are always going to be uh, able to be explained by those first so, principles. And so about- that's that's how this that's how this works sometimes. Well, why is that? Because Jesus, right? I'm being I, I'm being yeah. simplistic about that, right? But like at the end of the day, that's the answer. If you don't accept that that's the answer, right, or that's where it all sort of leads to, then you're going to get a guy like you who's going to continue to spin their wheels and think that there's actually some answer beyond that. There is no answer beyond that. So so I think that we got here because you made roughly a statement of if you really want to know what this text was saying, you probably should or what the author of this text was saying at the time. You need to consult with scholars and historical scholars to reference that Nate's response is no, 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 no. You need to pray. Praying is how we determine what the text means. And I asked the question. Okay, That's not what I said either. 
That is literally what you said. We pray to Jesus to determine what the right thing is to understand the Bible. That's literally what you said. That's why I went down this path at all. If that's not what you're saying, I apologize. I misunderstood you. I thought you were saying to understand what the Bible is saying, we pray to Jesus, and that tells us what the Bible means. And I said, well, what if I've been deceived? Well, you've been deceived. So how could I no. verify if I'm being deceived or not? I go to a scholar. That's no, kind of I what I was pray, going uh, no, what, oh, no, I Am I a very bad orator? Like, do I, I just yes. do I do I have, do I have? Hang on, I, I remember what I said. If I can remember it long enough to say it to you guys, like, do I do I just set myself up to constantly be misunderstood? Maybe it's I do. Maybe you, I need to take no, no, that. Okay, anyways, here, here it is. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. No, 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 no. Rab, I, I have it right here. Just, I, I, whenever I say that, I'm trying not to lose my thought because I have it. Let's see if I still do. No, it was. First of all, I said I I agree with Rab on a lot of the stuff. As far as how to understand the text, I agree with what Chris says constantly how to read a book, the things he says in there, textually, grammatically, like understand the intent of the author. That is how to understand the text. When we were talking about, you were talking about, so if I pray to Jesus, I'll understand. I didn't say pray to Jesus to understand the text. That's the misrepresentation. I talk, I'm talking about the ultimate point of Christianity. Remember where I said I would agree a lot of what Abba said, um, but then I would diverge. I was talking about the divergence and said, I will make absolute claims in the Bible. Um, a lot of the stuff that he talks about, I would agree with, but then the parts that are ultimate claims in the Bible, like what Jesus says, right? So not what the text, I mean, it, it, I'm not even talking about like the text at this point. I'm talking about the words of Christ, which yes, they happen to be in text, but they're, they're not, they're easy to understand. Pray to him, seek him, live like him. So, I mean, it doesn't take a lot of scholarly understanding to be like, oh, yes, I get what he means by that. I, I read the book where it says, you know, do this, do that, don't do that, and I do that. Like, you don't need to know the mind of the scholar. It's it's evident, the mind of the scholar. But when I specifically am talking about praying, that's to put into practice what it says. So when he says, you must be born again, you, uh, I can give you eternal life to anyone who wants it. I wasn't saying pray to understand that. I was saying pray to do that. So, for example, when the text says, be born again, receive eternal life, I'll give it freely. I'm saying then pray to Jesus and say those things. I want that. Hope that clears it up. So you're not praying for understanding of the text. You're, you're understanding the text the way the author meant, just like Chris would say, read the book, how to read a book. But as far as like employing the stuff where it says, stop doing what you know you shouldn't do, repent, and you must be born again. How do I do that? How do I possibly enact that? Is there a button I press? Yes, the button is prayer. Jesus, forgive me, save me. I repent, help me to uh, you know make me born again. Give me eternal life. That's the prayer part, to employ what you already understand the way you can understand the grammatical you know, way to read the Bible and the author's intent. Hope that helps. I, I don't know how else I can say that. Can I change the topic? Are, are we on the same page? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Rab, in a word, does that sure. make my position clear? Are we in this? Okay. Yes, Steph, please. Okay. There's a thing going on in the chat. I'm going to, I'm going to oh, switch to that. Yeah. Okay. Just stop. Uh, okay. All right. Osea. Osea. I'm going to do this real quick, buddy. Okay, oh yeah. I thought read... Abba may want to talk to him. <laughs> Go ahead, Steph. When we read Isaiah 28, and I have it pulled up in the King James for you, okay? Normally I read the ESV, but I have it pulled up in the King James. Woe, I'm starting at 21. Woe to the crown of pride to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which is on the head of the fat valleys, them that are overcome with wine. Then it says, behold the Lord. And two, three, four are descriptions of how wonderful the Lord is in comparison to the drunkards of Ephraim, okay? And then it says in five, in that day shall the Lord of hosts be a crown of glory, a diadem of beauty, 
onto the residue of his people. Okay, so we're comparing how great the Lord is to how awful these people are. And then in seven, it says, but they have erred through wine and through strong drink. They're out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up with wine. They're out of the way with strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all their tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so there is no place clean. Whom shall he teach knowledge? There's no one to teach. Whom shall he make understand the doctrine? Precept must be upon precept. Line must be on line to these people. Right here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips, or in the ESV it says an unknown language. Stammering lips at another tongue he will speak to his person, or to his people. To whom he said, there is rest there with ye may cause weary to rest. So like he's trying to instruct them. And he says, but the word of the Lord was unto them, the drunkards, right? The bad people, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward, be broken and snared and taken. Okay, Osea, so you don't study precept. upon. I just gave you the whole thing. You don't study precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, or else God is warning the drunkards of Ephraim. If you do that, you will, quote, go and fall backward and be broken that's and snared and taken. Saying. Oh, that's, for heaven's sake. Not, oh, that's that's not, I just have another so red identity crisis that we have to deal with here. So yeah, yeah, real quick, man. Hold on, wait. Oh, so, I want to okay, hear. Be, hang on, wait. That, that, that's not what that's saying at all. Okay, yeah, so hang on. Wait, hang on. I'm just setting the stage because there's lots of people that want in on this. So, yeah, say you you respond. And then, Bubby, please, a quick little response. Wait. And then, Abba, if you'd like to jump in this mess, I would love to hear that. Me and Kevin so, were handling it in the chat. Do you want to, like, I don't... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Never mind. All right, Mother Steph. Um, go for it. Um, sorry, no, I want to hear, but I want to hear, hear Bubby, too. But I want to hear what Osei is. When he said... That's not what hey. it says, but I just broke it down for you verse by verse. So no, what do you no, think you did it because first it's and like, foremost, what, look, look, you said verse five, he was comparing that, their beauty and his glory. Verse five is talking about a specific day when he redeems his people, right? In that day, the Lord of hosts shall be a crown of glory. That crown of glory is mentioned multiple times throughout the scripture when his people inherit the glory of Yah. Right, so this is why you have to go precept upon precept, right? No, 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 then, Osea, wait, it's wait, no, let that me wasn't finish my because point. I let you finish. Hold on, wait. I let you finish. The, I didn't interrupt point. you. I stayed on well, you because you were in the audience. Well, the no, point, come on, now you're being really rude. Quick. This is a this is a disingenuous conversation. Well, you've now. misquoted you're gonna, you're gonna me. You've misquoted me. me. Okay, when All I right. said the crown well, look, of glory, you know what? we don't need was... to have this discussion if I'm going to be cut off and I can't make my point. All right, I'm going to mute you. So when you quoted me i said you misquoted me and i want to hear what you have to say but i said the crown of glory all right well for yeah me, we don't need to run the crown of glory perfect. is in comparison to their filth that's what i said so if he's gonna go and say no 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 it's this thing and that thing in the future i wasn't referring to the future oh kevin would well he's back so um i guess he could, he could speak on it okay let's say let me repeat that real quick because you were gone i didn't say anything about the future i said the crown of glory was being compared to the filth of the people described and the people described who are filthy are reading precept upon precept and they're being destroyed. That's what I said. All right, filthy. Oh, uh, yeah, Steph, you sandal it. Go ahead. Yeah. Get whoever you want. And you run the show for a bit. I say you can continue your thought, but I wanted to correct the quote. 
you quoted me incorrectly and that's why I jumped in, but do continue. Or if not, Kevin, what do you think? You really well, stirred I mean, the pot this morning, Steph. Good Lord. Oh, which Kevin? We, oh, my bad, my bad. You, Russell. you, Kevin What's G, going, take bro? it away. No, no Kevin, it's on you. I just, I just threw in a quit. That's all. Oh, and real quick, let me just say something. Sorry, Mike, I, I somewhere forgot to call on you. Yeah, after after they're done with this, I I would love to hear what you said. I, and I know you said in chat, like, the reason you're not Christian is because of people arguing over Scripture. So it's a Christian and non-Christian debating Scripture. So just to, just to put that there. But, yeah, I want to come to you as soon as they uh, wrap this up. So, yeah, go ahead, uh, Kevin or whoever. And, Bubby, by the way, every time there's a Hebrew-Israelite discussion in, like, a Facebook group, I always bring up that clip of whenever you just, like, laid it out for, like, seven minutes. That's awesome. I use it all the time. Anyways, Kevin, yeah, go ahead and respond. Uh, I would love to uh, just do a brief explanation of it. Um, can somebody speak for about like at least one to two minutes? I just, I just want to apply back to what I am real quick. Uh, yeah, Bubs, you yeah. wanted to reply. I mean, I guess the guy you wanted to... Oh, sorry, Steph, I'm terrible at this. No, he's good. Bubby, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say... There's no, uh, give me a minute. You know, Kevin, you're going to have a, a nice, everyone needs a minute. Up whatever you need. Yeah. All I'll right. Well, Osea, Osea is back real quick before Marquis. Osea, you, you said in this, in the chat that you wanted to be brought back on stage. You're on stage. You can unmike the, the, the stage is yours. You can go ahead. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Hey, um, so verse 13, right? You said verse 13 meant that if they study precept upon precept that this was their like like this was the stumbling block to them but that's not what that's saying it's saying but the word of yahuwah was unto them precept upon precept precept upon precept line upon line so they had this methodology right that they might that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken right the reason that they were broken and snared and taken at this method to be weaned from the milk of the word was because that they had already erred through strong drink so they couldn't receive the teachings that the lord was trying to give them right this is why that method stumbled them but right here he was telling them hey who shall who shall he make who shall he teach doctrine and whom shall he make to understand doctrine right so right you you were right he couldn't teach them anything right because they had done already stumbled through strong drink and they had departed from the wisdom of the lord right them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast how do you get weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast right here for precept must be upon precept so he gave you the methodology and i actually agree with you with verse 11 that is another language that's a prophetic this is a prophetic verse right here that he would speak to his people in another tongue not the hebrew tongue right so verse 13 is saying that when they had this precept upon precept to be drawn from the milk it stumbled them because they could not receive the teachings this is this is why he had to judge israel and judah they departed from the wisdom of the lord he gave them the law. He gave them the method to, to study the law, but they didn't do it. Kevin. Then he goes okay. forth to then he goes forth to warn Judah of the same thing. Right. right. So um I, I'm not Okay, bro. You were you still going? No, 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 go ahead. Are you sure? Yeah, and and but and for the record, I'm not a black Hebrew Israelite. I don't even know what that means. I'm not affiliated with a camp. I just read the scripture and I go precept upon precept. I have debated Israelites on that false chart. The fact that Gentiles can get salvation. I debate Israelites fairly often. 
right? But the scripture says what it says, right? And and we can't neglect the truth of the scripture because of private interpretation or 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 whatever other methodology we we like to use to try to be presumptuous as to how Yah expects us to serve Him. This is why He told us go precept upon precept, right? Yeah, so so this verse here um, is actually not uh, it's not what it says. Uh, this is not a method that uh, uh, God is using to teach the Israelites. If you actually look at this, these uh, the, the, the word here uh, actually means a command that's from a man. It means man's command. Right. It, let's look at it. So it said, for all the full of vomit and filthiness, so there's no place clean. Verse nine: Whom shall he? To, who shall, shall he teach knowledge? And who shall he make understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. So it's not talking about this. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people. So what this is talking about is talking about a lesson learned by them following the command of foreigners, right? Hence why we see here with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. And then he goes through the whole thing again, where he says precept upon precept, precept upon precept. Now to understand this, uh, here's the thing that's crazy. The word precept is actually all throughout the Old Testament. But the specific word here used in the Hebrew is only used in two locations. You're going to have this location here which is going to be uh, Isaiah 28 and 10 and Isaiah 28 and 13. And the other location is going to be in Hosea 5 and 11. Let me show you. So when you go to the Hebrew uh, of Isaiah 28 and 10, you're going to see this uh, repetition of words. It's going to say, Ki saw la saw, saw la saw, qua la qua, qua la qua, zader, sam, zader, sam. So what this what this is in Hebrew appreciate the uh the pronunciation there and I, I uh, thank you for that actually. Uh but what you see this is actually talking about babbling, right? Um and the word here that we're gonna look at uh in this verse, right, is these word precept. Right. And this word precept here actually means a command or ordinance. But it's not talking about any command and ordinance. It's talking about a specific command and ordinance. Now, let's read the same word in Hosea 5 and 11, and we're going to see what's talking about. Now, I want to ask you a quick question here, uh, Hosea. Uh, what nations or what tribes are being talked about here in uh, Isaiah 28 and 10? Israel. Israel. So that's the northern kingdom, correct? Kingdom. All right. Now, let's go to Hosea 5 and 10. Look what it says here, right? It says... The princes of Judah were like them that removed the bound. Therefore, I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. Right now, look what this looks like. This is verse 11, because you can see this is talking about captivity. Look what it says. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because they willingly walk after the commandment. You see that? So now this removes the entire context that you explained in Isaiah 28 and 10. The context in Isaiah 20 and 10 that you try to explain was that they did not follow the command. So therefore, this is why they fell backward. But when we look at Hosea 5 and 11, which uses the same word, it actually says that they willingly followed the command. So what's going on here? Why is it saying this? Well, let's look at the NASB for it to give a more I, uh, proper translation. a question? Before Yo, real quick, let me, just read, let me just read the NASB here to show what it's actually saying here. 
No, Ephraim is oppressed. To your topic, like, are you trying to say that they that they followed the commandments and that's why they were? No, no, no. It's not just any commandment. Again, the word here, Lasal or Laqual. These verses, those words there actually means a specific type of command. This is why they feel backwards, right? When you look in Isaiah 5 and 11, look, look at the words. Just look it up. You're going to see it only used in two locations. This word is only used in uh, Isaiah 28 and 11. It's only used in uh, Hosea 5 and 11. And now, what, let me read word, this so we can get... I'm sorry. What word is that? Uh, uh, I just said Saul. I think it's like Saul. Um, Sav. It's, it's, the, it's the word there that's for uh, precept, right? Uh, so... Again, let's go Hosea 5 and 11. I'm reading the NASB, and then uh, anybody else can take it after this because it's real simple to understand. It says, Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment because he determined to follow man's command. So now, now you see the parallel. In Hosea 5 and 11, this exclusive word is explaining how Ephraim was following man's command. In Isaiah 28 and 10, it's specific to say, stammering lips with another tongue, meaning that because they did not follow the commands of God, this is the real idea of what's going on here. They're now following the commands of a foreigner because they're under tribulation and they're under captivity. So now it's going to be like, Babylon. you know what, though, the- you kind of just proved my point doing the same thing that you just did to, to break down that word and that scripture. You had to go precept, well, Jose, upon precept I'll, I'll say and line it. upon line to to show to oh even show me. <laughs> no, Jose, no, like, Jose, Jose, come on, bro. Jose, 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 it's real. It's real. Jose, we need to be to study the word. Well, no, brother, that's so, not. So, like, even even not, in this Jose, context, Jose, Jose, like, Jose, well, Jose, no, well, even at this part, right? I might, I might, I might be cut here. Like, hey, they followed a specific commit. They followed a specific commandment, which led them into captivity. Both contexts. Okay. The word precept. But, but look at how you're studying the Bible. It's just the same way. Oh my God. No, no, okay, Osea. wait, Osea, no, hold, on. No, Osea, hold on. Osea, Osea it's not. listen, when you, you are look studying topically, that's not precept upon precept. So what Kevin is doing is he's walking you through topically. That's a different, that's just, you can't like claim any Bible study and say that's precept upon precept. He's talking about a specific word being used. Right, but my point is, my point is, at some point you had to leave Isaiah twenty-eight and go to Hosea to get the proper context of the word. No, no, no. The context is in Isaiah. So wait a second. Wait, wait, wait one second. Everything's there in Isaiah twenty-eight. Kevin, Kevin, hang on a second. Yeah, yeah, but you. My point is, like, you would have to say, wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. Okay, hang on. I'm on mute. Shut the mouth of the lines. I'm on mute. Okay, so I want to say, Abba, yeah. Um. Let's, let's, hear, uh, Abba, let, let, yeah. let's hear Abba and Osea for like uh, as long as I can possibly handle it. And then let's get to the other people before they run and slit the wrist because I don't want to be responsible for suicides. Um, so, yeah, Abba, what have you thought? Yeah, listen, uh, what are your thoughts on Yah? Let's take that. Let's take that claim seriously that what Kemp was doing was precept on precept. OK, let's just stay in Isaiah 28. Right. The there's a couple things going on there. One is it's pretty pretty clear from the context that this is saying what not to do, right? That those people over there are saying, uh, you know, kav la kav, sav la sav, that they're saying this just sort of nonsense, right? And part of the, part of the fun thing about Hebrew, right, is that the kind of babbly way that it sounds, sav la sav, kav la kav, zer sham, zer sham, that's, that's deliberate literary device to let you know that when the prophet is describing what those folks are doing, that it sounds like a gobbledygook, 
that's why it's written in that particular like literary poetic kind of a language to both um, linguistically and in the sound tell you that the prophet thinks that God is saying that though what those people do is just gobbledygook that that's not the whole point and then if you read the very following next verse it says therefore right why is the therefore the therefore is to say don't do it like that now if you want to say okay so that's just like context point number one on on Isaiah now if you want to say we understand the Bible by reading other parts of the Bible to explain other parts of the Bible. That's fine. I think we all do that. That is not what is indicated here when it says precept upon precept. Precept upon precept over here means don't take command one over here, and especially not from false prophets. Again, read the context. Especially not from the false prophets who say, or the prophets of other nations who say, ah, oh, this is what God wants. And then they go back to the Israelite tradition and say, that's what God wants. And they do this back and forth nonsense. Why are they doing this back and forth nonsense? Because they don't actually understand the will of God. And if they understood the will of God, they wouldn't engage in such, in such silly kind of textual analysis and, and going back from, from precept to precept, right? It's a mistake that they're doing over there. So everyone who says that this ver these verses mean this is how we should read the verses doesn't understand the verses. Yeah, right. But hey, hey, Kevin, so I like to ask you something about that word side, right? Whoa, whoa, so whoa, 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 said, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you just gonna completely gonna ignore Abba? Yeah. Yeah, because I, he I'd was like trying to like respond. he's trying to throw like little like I don't know, bro. It's like to end it off with anyone who, Accuracy? who says this doesn't doesn't really like come on bro you don't have to do that bro oh, wait, like, that's just no Chris no Chris we don't have to do that bro I didn't no, call Chris. you any names to insult you bro I didn't call you Osea I apologize but you I didn't call you I didn't call you anything hold on Abba hold on hold on he's talking to Chris Chris was going after him in the chat he saw Chris unmute and he said don't call me he wasn't talking to you he was talking to Chris second Osea Abba just gave you a very educated, qualified breakdown of what that is. And I'd like to hear you respond to Kevin, but I also think it's incredibly disrespectful for you to just go, okay, whatever. Like, what do you think of what Abba said? Yeah, I'll consider it after Kevin asks this question, right? What? Answers this question, right? So, <laughs> so look, 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 this, this word salve, right? This word, so what, what commandment specifically was Ephraim following after that caused them to stumble here? Because you said it was a commandment, right? But given by other nations or commandments by men, like what would you say before? But you kind of insinuated that this commandment caused them to stumble. So what commandment was that that caused them to stumble to, to the point where you're not supposed to read precept upon precept? It's not that the commandment, it's not the commandment specifically. It's the methodology that will cause them to stumble. What's being said is, is that if you read, if you understand God's command in this way, precept upon precept, you're going to make mistakes. That's what the, that's what the implication here is. And so yeah, it's not, not in Hosea 5.11. That's not what that says in Hosea 5.11. We're staying with Isaiah, walked, though. Wait, hold on. I thought we're staying with Isaiah. After the, after the precept. I'm, you could say he willingly I'm, walked after the I'm precept. Sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I thought we were staying with the, uh, trying to understand what the Isaiah text means. You're not going to let Kevin answer that question? The Isaiah text is not indicating any particular 
commandment. What it's saying is, is that the methodology of precept on precept, a little you here, a little know. there, is a bad, is a mistaken, is a mistaken methodology that will lead you to stumble. That's what's being said there. Your response okay, to Altoid. that, Isaiah? Altoid, let's check in real fast. If we're doomed to uh, have this, then fine. But Altoid, do you have any other questions? I do not. Uh -huh. Wow. Way to let us down. Nice Andrew Hess, what's up? Do you have any other questions? Three, two, one. About this topic? No. No, about any other to topic. Uh, I like this no, I'm just I'm listening. I'll chime in if I feel like something I need to ask. All right. Well, I have one more shot. All right, Daily Shadow, do you have a question about another topic? Otherwise, this is what you're going to get. Three, two, oh, no, Shadow, we can't hear you if you're talking. Uh, something messed up. Leave and come back. Um, but we don't hear anything if you're trying to say it. Listen, okay, Nate, okay. Oh. this is an important topic because... <laughs> she got a call. Sorry, am I back? Okay, hold on. Nate, I know that you're a little yeah. allergic to being in other people's rooms on Clubhouse too much, but this comes up all the time, a million Does times Does it ever a day. get answered? Yes, it's being answered right now. Like, Does anyone change need... their mind? Okay, listen. There are 65 people in this room right now who need to hear why this verse does not say what everyone says it says. This is like the most important. This will, get, this will lower my blood pressure if people on Clubhouse can understand what Isaiah 28 is actually saying. Okay, then I mean, I would love to, uh, you know, I, I would love it if we can also make sure that, you know, the actual native Hebrew speaker who studied this for a lifetime, you know, can, can also get a fair shot. And it, it bugs me when you're like, I don't know, I guess this guy, I didn't watch chat, but if he's carrying over a discussion with Kevin, that's fine. So if he wants to single him out, but it's like if he has, you know, a person who also has great insight into this, if that person could be included, otherwise it's like, well, yeah, wait, real quick. I, I do want, I was trying to get him to respond to Abba. Both Abba and Kevin have expertise in this topic. I, I think it's good that he engages with both of them and, and they're both making well, the same I agree. argument. I mean, I mean, I mean, Isaiah, I mean, at this point, I, I really don't know what else to, uh, He's just arguing right now. I doubt he's, no, that's, uh, he, that's he not looked arguing, up. Bro. I'm not arguing. I'm not yelling at you. I'm not calling you. You're arguing no, 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 about no, arguing? That's not the definition. No, no, no that's no, not no, what I mean by arguing. No, I'm, no, talking no. About, I'm not talking about how you uh, mm -hmm. conduct yourself. I'm talking about arguing the point here, right? So you're, we, we, we've shown you. I've even went to the Hebrew and shown you the context and that there's an exclusivity to the word, right? Like it's used in 2819 in an exclusive point. Is used in Hosea 5 and 11 in an exclusive way, right? The word precept or command is all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible, right? In fact, instruction is translated as Torah, right? So that's all throughout the scripture. So there's not this, this usage of quala, quala, sala, sala, however it's pronounced, right? Is used only in this context. And Ephraim's downfall is not used anywhere else, right? And the reason why it's written the way it is, because it's talking about Babel. It's not talking about how to study anything. It's not, it's not that way. For example, when we go to Leviticus and we go to uh, Exodus or Deuteronomy, right? There's plenty of verses there that shows that Moses is both the mediator of the new covenant and the teacher of the law. But yet you don't see any rule of precept upon precept there. It's not, it doesn't exist, right? Why now all of a sudden, right? When we get to the captivity period, especially during the Babylonian captivity, 
right? Because this gives the context when you look at Isaiah 14, right? Which talks about what situation they're in and the coming of the Medes and the Persians to deliver them and this, that, and the other, right? So this is a this is way later. We're talking about 150, 140 years. Actually, let me take that back. We're talking 340 years, 400 years almost after the time of Jeroboam II. And then all of a sudden think... now we have this, hold on. Now all of a sudden now, there's this thing where this is rule to read scripture, precept upon precept. Uh, that doesn't make sense, right? It just it doesn't make no sense at all, man. That's not that's not what we see there. You okay, also don't so see the, you also again, don't see the follow up. See, just because I got can a phone I, can call, I ask right my now, question please, again, bro. Yeah, go ahead. Can, can I ask it again? One one more time. What commandment specifically were they following that led them to captivity? Otherwise, you would have to address verse seven, right? Because this is who these okay. precepts would be coming from. But they okay. also have erred through, listen, erred through wine and through strong drink and are out of the way. Who teaches the people? The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. These were the leaders of the people, right? They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Right? So if Ephraim is following these precepts from wicked priests and prophets, that's how they ended up in captivity because they were not serving the Lord properly. No, no, no. This is that's not talking what about... that's saying, brother. Do, do okay, we need no. to go? So, so again, it's talking about their disobedience and, and them being drunk. Yeah, this is something that's in Isaiah 5 and 22, right? This has nothing to do with God's command. This has nothing to do with Brother, it. So, so when you look at prophets, you're interrupting me. I thought you asked me a question. Precepts, I thought you asked me a question. Keeping the precepts properly. So that's right, my no, point. That's not, no, that's not what's going that, on here, that man. Doesn't, that, doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't disqualify 10 through, what, verses 10 through 13, right? That doesn't disqualify those, brother, because if you take into consideration verse 7, Right. And why Israel no, no. failed? We could go to Jeremiah 23. We could start reading Hosea, why they Hosea, failed. Hosea. The context here right. is very simple to understand. Right. They're getting drunk. Right. Whether you want to talk about as a spiritual analogy or them actually getting drunk. They're trying to tell visions and they're doing things that's just improper. Right. So now what's well, happening well, here? Well, well, before you go forth, we we agree right. on that, brother. But if if no, no, if, no. The, if the following things that come out of your mouth out of that state of drunkenness are precepts, and you're telling people keep this this way, and and they're not doing, bro, it, come on, bro, you're you're like a bad leader telling people to do things that that are wicked, right? So okay, so let's so, saying, so, so let's so let's so let's look at that, right? Let's use your own right. your own uh, your own understanding on this. If this is an incorrect method due to their drunkenness, why would you put it as a methodology of study? It's not an incorrect method due to their drunkenness. They, it, they stumbled through this method because what was what was coming to them through this method was impure. It was drunk. It was a drunken message. Right. So that's why they stumbled. That's my point. Right. Okay. It's not that precept upon precept is, is, is bad. It's that the fact that their priests and prophets were already stumbled through drinking. Or, or through strong drink, whatever scripture said, right? So I, therefore, whatever I, I they're going to teach, I don't people, think that's what it's saying. Bro, that's what it's saying, bro. So whatever they're going to teach the people is all. I'll say what O'Shea. What it what it says is is that. Good God, man. Let, let's let's take into account the drunkenness. Okay, what it's what it says is is that. Okay, I'll take your I'll take your critique seriously. Because of their drunkenness, 
right? And what is he taught? Who who is the they? The they is the people in verse um, in verses five and six, Easily. right? Um, the ones who sit in judgment and a valor, right? At the day where God is going to come proclaim God's greatness, right? As it says mm -hmm. in verse, right? Okay, so mm -hmm. so then verse seven, vigam ela gam also, or nevertheless, right? Those people who are sitting mm -hmm. in judgment, who are ostensibly the important people, the judges, right? They mm -hmm. are dazed by liquor. And what does their days of liquor cause them to do? Verse 10, it causes them to say gobbledygook instructions. Verse 11. You're skipping verse nine, brother. You can't do that. Okay, you, you okay, go, you Hosea. Go from, one is, second, is, one second, one second, one second, one second. Because the preceding okay. verses. One second, one second, one second, one second. Uh, uh, fine, I won't skip verse nine, okay? So they're saying even these people who are drunk, right, and muddled by the wine, all their tables are covered in vomit and filth, right? This is obviously not a good thing, right? So then verse nine. To whom would he give instruction? To whose to whom expound a message? To those newly weaned from milk, just taken away from the breast? Now, this is a rhetorical question. What's the answer to the rhetorical question? Well, you don't take instruction from those new, newly weaned. You take instruction from those who are experts, right? Because, verse 10, those same people who are drunk and who are newly weaned say gobbledygook. Verse 11. Truly has one who speaks to that people in the stammering jargon and an alien tongue is one who declares to them, this is the resting place. Let the weary rest. This is the place of repose. They refuse to listen. To them, verse 13, the word of the Lord is what is being said very clearly is that these people who should know better but are also drunk. Explain that the word explain the word of the Lord as nonsense. Don't listen to them. This is very clearly what this says over here. Don't trust the people who do precept upon precept. That's it's very it's very obvious that that's what's being said here. You you know what? Even if you take it that way, even if you take it that way that would still include verse seven. And this is why they fail. Because if you say, hey, you know, who shall he teach knowledge? These, these drunken priests, right? Whom shall they teach knowledge? These these guys that are weaned from the milk. And then he says, precept upon precept. So with stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak to this people? So I'm imagining you're saying that this is, this is the drunken priest with the stammering lips and another tongue speaking to his people, correct? Yeah. Okay, so right, verse twelve. To whom he said, "This is the rest. This is the rest wherewith." So, I'm assuming this drunken priest is is trying to give the ordinances of God, right? But the fact that he's drunk and stammering means that these people they're not listening, right? That's it. Also saying. means it means yeah, they're not <laughs> they're not listening because he's speaking gobbledygook. Right. right. Okay, but the word of the Lord unto them was precept upon precept, line upon line. That, and I'm I'm just gonna go down right here. Who's the them? Who's the them? Who is the them? Who is the them? Who is the them? The them is them. The them is the people, right? The people. No, no, no. Well, it would have the to them, be because hold no. on, hold on. Who is he no. talking to in verse twelve? 
right? Because you just agreed that these in verse 12, these were the drunk priests and prophets talking to people, right? Jesus. Did Listen. you not just say that? Listen, you you gotta you gotta figure out who the pronouns are you gotta figure out who the pronouns are referring yeah, to. Sometimes I got it. I gotta go, bro. I'm sorry, but hey, just add me, bro. I'll gladly continue any discussion with any of you any day. Um just just add me. Listen, Osea, I'm happy to talk yeah. to you more also, but you're gonna yeah, have yeah, I'm to gonna follow I'm gonna follow you, bro. Here. Great, wonderful. I'll, you're gonna have to take you're gonna have to take it just on authority a little bit here, and I apologize that that's how this is gonna go. Yeah, there's I'm, nobody I'm sorry, in this man. room. There's nobody in this room at the moment, okay, who understands biblical Hebrew more than I do. Maybe Dr. Josh, but there's well, right, absolutely right. zero people in this room right now who understand biblical Hebrew better than I do, and you're reading in English, okay? So yeah. when I'm telling you what this means, I'm telling you because I'm reading it in the Hebrew. And I understand biblical syntax, and I understand. Right, I guess that makes the you the sole Bible authority, bro. I mean, no, I can it does. No, 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 wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, look, bro. No, I added you. Wait a second. I'll say, don't leave, don't leave. I have to go. It makes me the only biblical expert. I added, I added Doctor Abba, so we can talk later. Don't, don't say. Why do you keep interrupting? Oh my God! I'm reading Hebrew, like, bro. We have to. Osea. Yes, Abba, please finish your statement. I helped him to the audience so he can. Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying, we can we can go back and forth all day. That's totally fine. But if you're not going to contend with the knowledge of, if you're not going to even consider the people who are not you, who do understand the biblical Hebrew, then you're not doing it right. Right? It's a, it doesn't matter if you know it, but you have to trust the people that do know it. Yeah, and Osea, I, mean, I don't just, think Abba was, just real quick, I don't think Abba was saying that he is more of a biblical authority than you or anybody else. His only thing he said was, I speak this language. That was his claim, which I think is he's gone. He's been true. left. Yeah, he's gone. I'm just saying can for I, the benefit of the other people. Can I make a suggestion? Can I make a suggestion? Um I I would I, I I was seeing where he was going. When you guys are teaching the room, you gotta allow room for him to clearly make his point so all of us can follow it first because oh, I know you haven't I'm been here for the last hour <laughs> no i have i have oh. i've been here i've been here and i've been i was following him because like steph said a lot of people get caught up on this so i was able to hear how he was making his point and if he would have finished then i could hear how abba could correct it or make adjustments or make him understand it but so i can understand the frustration of because I know he was getting there, but he didn't complete it. But I, I could follow what he was saying, but I wasn't able to follow Abba because in the process of you correcting him, you weren't able to clearly make your point because he didn't get a chance to finish. And then it got into a little bit of a of um, a disgruntled conversation. I don't have an opinion on it because this is the first time I have heard this argument. Um, but I was I was actually really wanting to hear where you guys were going with well, so sometimes I just think maybe a little bit of patience. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, as someone listening who's very impatient and had very, very much of a hard time letting that go on as long as it did, because um, it was painful. Um, I mean, I, I think he got to make quite a bit of his points. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. But anyways, I, I also detect a little bit like maybe he wasn't super happy with ABBA because, you know, if he 
if he is the true Israelite, then maybe he has some sort of issue with Abba by, you know, actually being one. Um, so I, I don't know. I detected a little bit of that, which I maybe was some of the consternation from him. But anyways, um, I forgot what I was actually going to say. So, yeah, back to you, Steph. <laughs> Look, here's the TLDR on that, right? Is that this is an what? important topic that the too long didn't read? TLDR. Yeah, you're not, you're not used to read it. That's a, okay. <laughs> I'm old. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> that he was just he was in the chat initially saying that the other topic that people were discussing, I don't even remember what it was at this point, that they weren't understanding it because they weren't studying precept upon precept. Then a couple people in the chat started saying, Hey, that's not what that word does not mean what you think it means. And we did the whole thing in the chat. And so then we changed the topic over here. So he was just shown by Kevin across other parts of the Bible, the historical context, and by Abba, who did a very clear demonstration of why I had wondered Abba, in English, why it says it multiple times, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little, like it repeats it over and over. And when Abba spoke it out loud in the Hebrew, I was like, oh, that's why it repeats it over and over, because it's saying this is gobbledygook, blah, 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 blah. That's what it's saying. And so when Abba read that, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. And this guy was just like, yeah, but what about Hosea? Like, there was no, he did not comprehend anything. But it's still an important topic because it is brought up in every single Christian room on Clubhouse ever that unless you're studying precept upon precept, you're doing it wrong. And it needs to be, it needs to be discussed. We got to put an end to this thing, Nate. Here's where we're going to yeah, do it, it today. Oh, well, well, I mean, I think Bubby put it into it like, you know, what about eight months ago with his like seven minute spiel on Hebrew Israelism. And I mean, you know, until the end of days, there's going to be false stuff. And I, I just, I don't know, bugs me like, you know, Abba doing this for his life doesn't mean he's 100% correct. He could hit his head and, you know, not be correct. And just like this other guy reading in the King James Bible um, doesn't mean that he couldn't be somehow right and Abba be wrong. But I mean, it's only reasonable to automatically default unless Abba starts saying some really crazy stuff that you can check. And it's like, Hey, I know this, you know, you've said this your entire life, but I think you're wrong. So it's just common sense to naturally default to, yeah, Abba has a handle on this. If he's saying, if they're lining up, then great. This guy read it in, in English, in old English, and comes to the same conclusion as the native speaker. Great. My inclination is to think they're both right, but, you know, let's check them and make sure they're both not crazy. Um, so, but when he's not even willing to do that, it's like, look, theologically, I mean, Abba and I have different religions. We obviously think the other person is wrong about some stuff. But I'm going to default to Abba, which we often do. I love having you, Abba, um, about, you know, some text and some words and some meanings, especially about the stuff that, you know, he studied forever and is very fluent and knowledgeable in. Doesn't mean I agree with all of his conclusions, you know, about you know, the Jesus thing. Um, but I mean, as far as, you know, words, text, yeah. I, I think he's right a lot. Like I defer to him a lot about uh, this stuff. And the fact that that guy was unwilling to even seemingly consider that the guy that's done this forever and studied this forever, um, he, he's on the same level just automatically is a little bothersome. And I think, you know, that's just where, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> Abba, where am I talking? I think there's a prophecy about this, right? I mean, maybe not directly to theology, but what we're talking about here, it's relayed, right? Like having eyes, they don't see and having ears, they don't hear. I mean, that's what's happening. Like, the guy has ears. He heard from Kevin. He heard from you. He heard from Abba. How many times? <laughs> and he has eyes. He saw this in chat over and over and over, yet he doesn't see and he doesn't hear. So, I mean, you know, 
there's the Bible just, you know, being true yet again. And I have a feeling that that's going to happen until, you know, his heart is open and not a piece of stone. The only thing, the only thing, that, the only thing that bothers me about Abba on occasion is his like incessant pro-Trump rants. He just goes on and on <laughs> about making America great again. And it's just, it gets tired. Yeah, I, I apologize. For that. Why, Chris? Would you do gotta, that today? Gotta cut Don't that out, Abba. Get... He's like QAnon guy too, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome, Haiti. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I think oh. that guy was uncomfortable because when you um, dress up as somebody and LARP, and then you meet the actual thing you're pretending to be, it's it's kind of awkward. So that's why he's <laughs> so true. That's so true. That's funny. I do. I do. Have... All right. In the chat. Oh, Edwin has a question. Well, I just wanted Katie to in the say. Chat I, I, said, I, I, I do. I do have a question. How, how well, before did you, you not hear Steph talking? That's weird. Why are like three people talking? Uh, okay, Steph. What did Haiti say? And then Edward. Yeah. Uh, Haiti said in the chat did, that the yeah. Hebrew Israelites should quit larping and just convert already because they want the benefits without doing any of the work. And I thought that was very funny. Okay. Yeah. I just... uh, Edward, what's up, Ed? I heard Edward say he had a question. Well, I, I, I was going to go, and I was going to appreciate the room and you guys and everything. I was going to give my my usual herd. And, uh, oh, yes, do talk. that. You were going to give what? Basically just saying that he was going to give his little spiel. It was like, say goodbye to everyone before he went, but yeah. He just... Oh. Uh, Edward, what's up? <laughs> uh, this is my question. What is the deliverable of a conversation. Use simple words. Do do we believe as believers that we do that? What do you mean by that? Can you dumb it down for me? What is the deliverable? Like is it, what is the expectation to happen? What do you, like, Correct. What do you... Correct the outcome. Well, it, this last it's... outcome is not what I would say. I would say this is an example of the opposite. So, you know, I don't want to like be too judgy and presume to know the outcome of a conversation, but it just seems like so many times, you know, you can gauge pretty quickly if someone is open and willing to consider things or if they have their mind made up to complete obstinance and nothing short of divine intervention is going to change them, which is kind of, you know, where I've, a lot of these conversations go and you can peg pretty quickly. So I would say, um, rather than this, I would be like, oh, precept upon pre, well, yeah, great, repent, believe Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. And if someone's going to be obstinate and not hear you, I mean, at least make it about what Christianity, you know, really tries to focus on rather than, you know, his cult that he's deriving from Isaiah. Um, so I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's, I mean, that's what I think would be the most beneficial. If mm -hmm. they're going to not hear what you're saying anyway, let it at least be about the ultimate point of Christianity and just say that over and over and over. Uh, at least when it okay, comes so, to somebody, okay. can somebody be delivered from a conversation or or can they have their position changed? Yeah, they can have their position changed, but they're not going to come to a point of belief unless the father draws them first. Okay. Okay. So, so uh, if you could, uh, all of us together, turn to Second Timothy 2, 23 through 26, I would like all of our observation of this, of these verses, Second uh, Timothy to 23 to 26. Do you need a reader? Okay, hold on. Let me go back to the ESV. 
It's the Quarles verse. To Tim, two. Hold on. And what did you say, 26? 23. 23 to 26. 23. It's the uh, whole, like, foolish arguments things. Uh, Sorry, hold on. Second Timothy, what? Second Timothy 2, 23 to 26. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in oppression or, or in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, and they and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. So my observation as a believer coming into a believer's room and, and hearing this, knowing that the scriptures share with all of us this particular thing, the servant of the Lord should not participate in these things based on scripture, <laughs> not based on what we not based on what we believe or think. Uh, my question to each one of us, clearly, are we going with the spirit of the law or the letter of the law? But so I Nate, would respond by down. saying it's it's get rid of the podcast. Uh, We're done here. I hang on. I would like to say it's interesting for sometimes, and I will take that. Yeah, I, I take that. And if you were here, like I don't know, twenty minutes ago, I specifically brought up something very similar to that. Also, I routinely talk about, um, you know, when just like the others, a Second Timothy two that says, you know, don't wor- talk about like don't get into quarrels or foolish stuff and genealogies and all this like. This stuff is a cancer to all who listen. So um, I don't know if you haven't been here, you know, you're not, you're not really familiar, but it's, it's interesting. Uh, maybe this is a call to higher standards, but it's interesting out of all the rooms on Clubhouse, you would, you would uh, say what you said in this one um, because I agree with everything and pretty routinely try to call back from it because I agree so hard with this. Um, however, this is also a question and answer room, and sometimes we do get into very, very arduous, tedious, ridiculous discussions. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I agree. And despite our best efforts, which the very beginning of this podcast today, like the very, very beginning of this, I said, guys, hear me out. I think I found a good way to limit these conversations and talk about what Christians actually should talk about, which is Jesus and eternal life and salvation and forgiveness of sin. And then we've been talking about that thing that was supposed to be quick and easy to get us off of talking about all this nonsense. And because of that very, very quick idea, we've been talking about nonsense ever since. So, yes, I agree. Um, in, in practice, we should do that. And in theory, we should always do that. But in reality, despite our best efforts, specifically gearing today towards our best efforts, um, you know, we still fail. So when we know better, we try to do better. So I appreciate what you're saying. Um, sure, I hear you and I agree with you. Okay. But to, to say that will never happen and we can always be perfect, well, we're just not perfect. But All I right. agree, that was very painful. And, but, 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 uh, and then the only other thing, the last pushback, sorry, Bubs. Uh, it did sound like there was a little bit of, I don't know, there was something I was going to say, ooh, that's getting a little legalistic. I would say don't overcorrect and push too far the other way. Don't know if that was what you were doing. But I would say that. But yeah, generally, I take that. I aspire to do that. And I agree with you. So noted. Uh, Bubs, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm going to push this out of the way because I've already spoken on this. I don't know how many times. I'm tired of this little kumbaya stuff we got going on. All right. So when we look at Second Timothy 2, 23 through 26, yes, 
we are to refuse foolish and ignorant speculations. Foolish and ignorant speculations. This person was asking a genuine question. This person genuinely held to that position. He wasn't just making this up out of nowhere. This is something that a lot of people hold to, unfortunately, that need to be corrected on it. And unfortunately, not enough people are equipped enough to know how to deal with this because their arguments can be very slick-tongued and can sound very convincing, which is why you have so many 30-year-old adults in a midlife identity crisis considering themselves Israelites. That's, it. That, that, that's, that's an easy example of that. But, yet again... We're not going to go out this whole idea of the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Because it's not just that. I, I, I feel like everybody forgets that the book of Matthew exists. I feel like y'all forget that Jesus and the Pharisees interacted at some point, and he had a giant chapter-long practical rant about how bad they were, calling them devils, vipers. And all types of analogies that you wouldn't be want, that you wouldn't want me to put on you, right? So I don't want to. I, I like again. I appreciate the concern, but at the same time, there are sometimes where we handle people with kitty gloves. There are some people that need to be dealt with boxing gloves. Scripture shows us both of those examples, and Scripture tells us to discern when we need to bring out those boxing gloves or whenever we need to just use the kitty gloves. Yes, there are sometimes we can have conversations in quote-unquote love, and there are sometimes where tough love needs to be shown. And yes, some of these conversations may sound like, oh, this is getting redundant. Why do people not understand this? But we're asking the same question. Why do people not understand this? We're having the conversation so that they can, so that we never have to do this anymore. And if people would actually be genuine with the discussion in the first place and actually be willing to listen to understand and not listen to respond, maybe we could get somewhere and maybe we would have this problem of having to go over the same damn issue 24-7 that no one wants to talk about anymore. All right. Well, Ed, you heard two viewpoints. You heard, you, hey, hey, hang on. Let me, let me just, hey, wait, wait. Hey, hang on, Ed. I'm coming right to you. Um, so, Ed, you've heard, uh, you've heard two people. I took that as a call to you know, talk about what's actually important. Uh, I know Bubs would disagree on the importance, but, you know, the, the point of Christianity, the Jesus, that, that stuff. Um, and you heard Bob say something very different. So go ahead and respond to whoever you want. Go for it, Edward. Well, I, I'm actually, I, I'm not going to respond to what you both Or say, say whatever you want. Yeah, thanks. I, I, I would like for us who say that we are believers to read the scripture. If I understand the scripture it, at all, it says the natural man cannot receive anything from the spirit of God, for it is spiritually discerned. And I believe that academics get in the way of the Holy Spirit, that a lot of times we as believers believe that we know more than the Holy Spirit. So instead of you guys coming at me because I put out a scripture and you both did come at me because you said, I haven't been in this room, or why do I say this in this particular room? I've been on Clubhouse a long time, and I've said this in many rooms. So maybe you haven't followed me or seen me, but I'm very clear on what the scriptures say, whether we interpret it, whether you read Hebrew, whether you read Greek. I know the relationship that each one of us have is to God himself, not the relationship with each other. We would hope that our relationship with each other is kind, exhortation, and comforting. And I will tell you, as a fellow believer, that's not what I just sent in the response that I got. I did not. And if I would have to follow someone in, in, in your imitation of who Christ is, I would say to you, I would utterly not follow you because of the way you guys came at me, not the scripture, because the scripture is very clear. 
we should avoid it. Avoid it. It's okay. I'm 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 good. Yeah, the last thing I'd say is, you know, it's I don't know, man. I'm gonna say you're pretty judgy. I think the Bible says something about that. Bubby and I gave incredibly different responses. And the whole time you're rattling off scripture and talking, in my mind, I'm just thinking, I agree with that. That's good. I totally agree with that. I agree with that. And then in the next breath, you're like, you're bad. You guys do this way. You guys do this way. You guys believe different. You believe different. While in my head, while you're rattling off everything you're saying, I'm thinking, I agree with this guy. This guy's saying great stuff. This is exactly what I need to do. While at the same time, you're saying how I oppose you and I'm coming at you all wrong. So I'm going to say, Nate, you don't you know not, me. Nate, Nate, hold on, Nate. Did you not come at me? Did you not say you have not been in the room more than 30 minutes? Did I not hear that out That's of your mouth? coming at you. No, hold yeah, on. Can I ask a question? Hold on. Yeah, Seth, yeah hang, second, on hang on. Hang on. Edward. No, no, Edward. I did say that because I'm perplexed that if you had heard, like, the heart of what this room tries to be, despite our imperfections, uh, the whole goal of this room is to line up with what you're saying, not get bogged down in corals. Like, be you know, all the stuff you're saying, all the scriptures, like, that's what we, that's what I aspire to do in here. So I said, I don't know if you haven't been in here very long, because if you had, I would think you would know that, and you would be in agreement with the idea of this room, and maybe trying to, you know, help help us, you know, live up to the standard. But I, I agree with what you're saying. So that's why I said that. Go ahead and respond, and then we'll see what Marcus had to say. It's okay, Nate. I, I, I appreciate you allowing me to share and us being fellow believers in the word of God. Thank you so much, and I appreciate each one of you. Blessings to you. All I say here, exhortation, edification, and comfort is the goal of the body of Christ. I lay Well, likewise, thank you. Uh, Marcus, what's up? Yeah, I just had a, a couple of, uh, well, first of all, I want to say peace and blessings to everybody in the room. How's everybody doing? Good morning. Um, my question, I had a question about these two Bible verses that I was kind of confused about. You know, I was I wondering, say, yeah. you know. <laughs> okay, what's up? Okay, Which the one? first one is Mark 16 and 1. Did uh, you, want to... you want me to read it? Sure, go ahead. Or I got it. When the Sabbath okay. was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they then might, that they might go and anoint him. Okay. So in this verse, it says that Mary and them went and bought spices after the Sabbath was over, right? Yeah. Is like that it. correct? Uh, is that correct? That's yes, what that's it what says. it says. Yeah. Okay. Can you read Luke 23, 54, and 55? Uh, do you want to do a harmony of the Gospels? Mm. Is the deal. Uh, can I just send you the website and we just, we just cut to the chase? <laughs> yeah. There's well, wait no a minute. Questions. Luke 23 yeah. what? 53? It's the woman in the... 54 the and 55. 50, okay. So I'm going to say, then he took it down and wrapped him in a linen shroud, laid him in a tomb cut in stone, 
when no, where no one had yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned. So we have a gap in time. I'm sorry. They, the women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. And then it says, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the, the commandment. Sabbath. Yeah. Okay. Correct. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Okay. So in this verse, when they prepared the spices, it was the preparation day, right? The, the Sabbath was about to begin, correct? Sure. Let's look at it. It says... So, it so says my confusion is... Are you actually so, interested in the answer, or are you just trying Well, to I never asked my question. My, my, my question was about these two verses. I haven't, I haven't asked it yeah, yet. Go ahead. Yeah, what? Okay. So, my question is... My question is... Uh, my on, question Chris, is, we can't hear you very quiet. Yeah, ask your question, Mark. And Chris, you're very okay. quiet. But go ahead, Mark. Okay. So, my question is... Did they prepare the spices before the Sabbath, or did they prepare when the uh, Sabbath was over? Okay, Chris, so that is your starting question. Only that. How do you answer only that question before you say your, you know, the rest of what you want to say? Sure. Well, so, so yeah, so study, study just sent me a back channel that summarizes this stuff, and it's really good. There are two general possibilities here. One possibility suggests the phrase, when the sun had risen, Mark 6, 2, Mark 16, verse 2, merely denotes early dawn. Um, when it was still dark, John 21, relatively speaking. Another view holds that Mary came alone first when it was still dark before the sunrise, and then later after the sunrise, she returned with the other women in Mark 16, 1. In support of this is the fact that only Mary is mentioned in John, um, but Mary and the other women are mentioned are named in Mark and also in Luke 24, 1, which is right after the 23 verses that we read, and it says very early in the morning, implying, implying after sunrise, when the women, not just Mary, had come. Likewise, Matthew 28, 1 speaks of being after the Sabbath at the first day of the week began to dawn, that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Only John mentions Mary being there alone while it was still dark. So we have a bunch of events here. Um, I can give you a, a website that is a harmony of the Gospels. The bottom line here is there is it, it's it's not as if you, sir, have gone and discovered the only discrepancy in the resurrection story. I never said it was, there was a discrepancy there. Sir, I never said that. Well, hold on real quick. Sir, we also listening. have an I never said there was a discrepancy. We have an answer from the audience that says there were two Sabbaths at that time, the Passover and the seventh day. It doesn't need to be in context. Okay. Okay, but he never answered my question. My question was, did it happen before the Sabbath, or did it happen after the Sabbath was over? Well, if there are two questions in between. If, if, if there, okay, so going by the two Sabbath answer, if there's two Sabbaths, before one, after the other. So before and after is correct, and going by Chris's answer, well, he can answer now. You said before one Sabbath and after the other Sabbath? So that's one view. Is that oh, wait, 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 I just want to make sure I'm correct. Is that what he said? Yes, it was one before answer one. Was that's what I said. The two. Yeah. Okay. So okay. That's fine. So no, that's fine. That's fine. So, can you show Brother Nate 
the Bible verse that says that this thing happened before this Sabbath and after that Sabbath? So, so again, Marcus, what we're trying to tell you is that... Now I'm just asking Nate, can he show us that in the Bible? What, he, what he said? Okay, cool, cool yeah. story, bro. That, you don't run the room. We're telling you... I'm not trying to run the room. I'm Marcus. just... You are okay, I'm sorry. I'm Marcus, sorry. I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry. The, Marcus, you, Marcus, just just calm down a bit, man. You're the only one we have to play with right now, so you know. I'd My like, bad. I'd like to yeah, play with me. I, yeah. But, but you I like can't interrupt every. Okay. Well, thank no. you. No. Okay. So, uh, repent and believe the gospel, lest you die in your sin. Uh, Jesus will save you. Pray to Him. Ask for forgiveness. You will receive it. Um, to answer your question, though, which we're trying to do, but you can't say, uh, you know, I just come in peace. What's the answer to the question? What's the answer? What's the answer? What's the answer? We are literally trying to answer you. You want to know where in the Bible we can show you there are two Sabbaths. In the Bible, you're not going to find where there are two Sabbaths. You know where you'd find that? In the culture of the times. You know how you'll find that? Do a little history. You know why? I, I don't know why it's not in the Bible where it talks about two Sabbaths. But if you know the culture, just like people, you know, people study the culture, that's how you know there could be. You know, and by the way, I was speaking from the two Sabbath view. This is one possibility. So I'm not saying I'm, I'm not holding fast to this, like there are multiple possibilities like Chris is trying to answer from the other one. So first of all, that's my position. But I'm saying if you take the two Sabbath view because history, culture, the times, uh, not a Bible verse that says, and thus it is known there art thou two Sabbaths. That's not a thing. Anyways, so if you, if you already have that view that there are two Sabbaths, I'm saying that's where the answer before and after can be correct if you hold to a two Sabbaths view. I don't know why you're unwilling or unable to listen to that, but um, that is the answer. So if you were up your steel, I'd be trying to parse my way through that while you said you're not answering, you're not answering. But I, I mean, I gave you what I got. I answered. So, Chris, would you like to answer from what you were saying? Yeah, all, all I'm saying is that uh, there are multiple possibilities for answering this question. And... It depends on how you're going to take the verses exegetically. So if you're looking at um, strictly Mary and following her, it could be, again, the, the, the text is not clear, but it could be that she went down to the tomb first when they were laying him and she had some spices and that, and that was done hastily before the Sabbath because he was taken down on a Friday and sundown and so they were hastily laying him in the tomb so that they didn't break Sabbath um, and then she came back after the Sabbath early in the morning on the first day of the week with the other women to prepare the body uh, and so that is when they found the important part here is that on Sunday morning we call Sunday morning what they would call the first day of the week and I don't know what they called it in the first century maybe Abba can tell us that uh, they found the tomb empty that's the point. And so the point is not, oh, we have a discrepancy here. We've got Mary coming to the tomb, or did she come to the tomb before the Sabbath, after the Sabbath? It could very well be both. It is that the text is not entirely clear as to an exact uh, timeline, depending on how you read the text. That's all. And then, um, let's see. Yeah, Abba, I would have asked you. I didn't think you were still here. I, I refreshed, and there you were. And I'm told from Christina in chat, if you want to speak, go ahead, that there is a verse in Deuteronomy. Um, if anyone knows that about the two Sabbaths or the seventh day or whatever. Um, so I guess I could be corrected. Um, and then, Chris, the follow-up question, let me pretend to be this. I can't be that obnoxious. Chris, the follow-up question would be, since your Bible isn't so clear on this, 
then how do you know you have the right Bible if you don't even know what, you know, what scripture you're supposed to say or what are you supposed to believe? Um, you know, so, so what's the point of your God or Christianity? How do you know it's true if you don't even know which, which scripture uh, you're supposed to believe? Oh, Islam. I don't know how some of you in this audience who deal with this guy all the time, I don't know how you do it, honestly. Yeah. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer, yeah. <laughs> answer the question. Yeah, this, is, this is why I don't oh, go into oh. most First of all, I don't I don't have the patience to sit. I've read the Quran one time, and I wanted to claw my eyeballs out after every page. But with love and peace, right? Yeah, no, it's just it's just torturous to read. It's horrible. Um, it's it's almost as if a a uh, an illiterate goat herder child molester wrote it. Anyway, going on. Um, so the. The long and the short of it is that we do have confidence in the scriptures. Um, we know that the scripture that we have today is accurate to what the apostles wrote. All we're trying to do is figure out through the, the art and science of hermeneutics, what did the apostle write and what did it mean when he was writing it? Or what did the prophet write? When Isaiah wrote Isaiah 28, what did he, what was, what was the meaning behind that? That's the only thing that we're trying to get to. And so when we ask somebody like Abba, hey, what does Isaiah 28 mean? And he gives a cogent answer based on what the prophet wrote. We know that's correct. And I would not quibble with his, his interpretation of that at all. Because again, we're getting to what that apostle or prophet wrote and what the meaning of it is. Now, does it bother me that there can be multiple different answers about Mary and the Sabbath? No. What it shows us, and what we see again and again in the scripture, is that God purposefully leaves these opaque areas for disagreement and for discussion because it is meditative literature. It is something for us to, to think on and reflect on over and over and over again. And the opaque areas are the places where we place our faith. That, that is the long and the short of it. Whenever you're reading a sacred text, if it was just, again, one of the problems of the Quran is that they've so sanitized it and burned all the different versions of it that it's just, it's eye-wateringly boring. So, there you go. And, I mean, I, I mean it's kind of like the, the, you know, I think most people were kind of like, that's a Quita argument um, about the, the man, the angel, because it's, it's so just on its face dumb, where they're like, was it a man? Was it an angel? Was it a man angel? Um, but I mean, it's, it's like that. Like, I, I mean, I agree with you, what you said totally, but it's like, well, look at, look at the actual facts as reported, right? So the eyewitness testimony. So if someone, if something is left to, to wonder about, you know, the spices and the anointing day, or was it a man angel? Was it a man angel? Were they glowing? How much were they glowing? What was their luminescence? None of that matters because the ultimate point is, is the whole thing is like to discredit the Bible and Christianity. But it's like, well, look at the actual facts that are testified to as reported. So oh, if uh, – okay, hang on a second. So yeah. I mean I, mean, I wasn't in the middle of talking, right? I mean I, anyways. So if – let me remember my train of thought real fast. Thanks for that. Give me a second. Um, anyway, so if the point of, of what happened, someone's confused about, 
well, you know, what about the spicing and what about the Sabbath? As, as if to say one of these things are incorrect or, or don't line up, then Christianity is false. Even if they were right and you're like, okay, no one knows about this. This is very, very confusing. We're not sure how to handle this. What's the result? Oh, Christ still resurrected and walked around people and ascended in the sky and lots of people saw him. So then it's like, well, if this is incorrect somehow, if we grant them that and say this is incorrect, did did that not still happen? Like lots of people saw Christ like ascend, do miracles, rise into the air. Um, well, it still happened, at least, you know, according to the testimony of lots and lots of people. So what does it matter? Even if they were, uh, the Bible didn't match up on this part and it was incorrect, Christ would still rise, still tell everyone he can give people eternal life, still raise people from the dead, still do all these miracles. So it's a non-issue. So it's like the only thing is that they have to make it not make sense or not add up. So they can discredit it, but to what end? Um, even if they're like, oh, well, the Bible is you know, not 100% accurate. Well, Christ still rise. Christ still did miracles. Christ did this. Anyways, but the point is, the stuff that I agree with you, Chris, everything has an answer. Everything has an explanation. Um, uh, not just the Bible. But every, there's an answer to like every question that can be asked. And there's more answers than there are questions because there will be different answers. So is that really the point? No. The stuff we're actually supposed to know, the reason we believe the Bible um, is because things like where Jesus says the death, burial, resurrection, you know, his forgiveness of sin through the shedding of blood, things like this. So the stuff God tells us we must know and we, we, we absolutely must have correct to get eternal life are the things the Bible talks over and over and over. And it is almost impossible to mess up. Um, even atheists who don't believe this stuff anyway, they read it and they're like, well, it looks like you got to believe in Jesus as sacrificed on the cross. He was murdered and rose from the dead. And, you know, you believe that and ask, you know, sky daddy fairy tale Jesus to save you and forgive you. And, and you'll have this eternal life. So even people that mock and scoff and don't believe this stuff, they understand it. They understand how it's written. So the stuff that you must get right, it is almost indisputable except by like a handful of cultists. Um, anyway, so other than that, how much spice was it? That would be the next question. If they didn't have a question about that because it was synchronistic, it would be like, well, how much spice? What was the ratio of spice? And I would just say at that point, you know, this is why people say, why do you talk in riddles? Why do you talk in parables? And he says, some people, it is hidden from. Not that they just won't understand it. It's intentionally kept hidden from them. So if you're someone who is like, okay, well, Jesus, sure, that's fine. But let's talk about the spice content of the vials. I guess you are purposely being hidden from the truth. Um, anyways, didn't mean to talk that long, but yeah, Leon, what's up? Um, this is not a trick question or anything, but, um, that would be a good question for Abba because he is a Jew. Um, would, would that affect the, um, the Sabbath if two Jews were going on, were deciding to look at two different calendars or would that just not be true at all? So I don't know if Abba is there to answer. I don't understand the question. Okay, so you know how he, they mentioned two Sabbaths? Would that actually be true if you were going off two different calendars? Two Sabbaths there, whatever that was, and I didn't follow the whole conversation. But it doesn't mean two different calendars. It means there's a Sabbath that's based on the seventh day. And then there are other days like holidays that are also called Sabbath. The reason they are also called Sabbath is because they are sanctified in similar ways, primarily the prohibition of doing certain kinds of work. It's not about the calendar. It's about the nature of the day. 
Thank you. That was it. Oh, she said specifically the Passover, Abba. Yeah, so Passover can sometimes be on Shabbat and sometimes not. If Passover is on the 14th of the month of Nisan. Sometimes that falls on a Saturday and sometimes it doesn't. It's called a Sabbath because it's a day of ceasing from work and sanctified in similar ways to the way that the original Shabbat of creation is. That's, that's the similarity there in the words. Uh, let's see. I'm going to have to go soon, but uh, real quick, let's see. Robert, what's up, Robert? Do you have anything on your mind? Hello, all. I pray everybody's well. Um, yeah, I did. I There was a room um, a couple of days ago that, um, it, you know, was set up as a, a Babylon B reference uh, joke uh, in regards to a person. Oh, crap. And, I'm in trouble again. Yeah, you're in trouble, Nate. How dare you? How dare you? No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I, I, I felt uh, convicted after I made a, a joke myself. And like after the room had ended, I was like, oh, man, you know, I, I immediately thought on, you know, just, um, you know, how we're supposed to not let any unwholesome talk come from our mouths, you know, and I, I just I felt I felt bad. So I just wanted to apologize to the room if, um, you know, I I hurt anyone's feelings or. Um, you know, with with that joke, I didn't mean any offense by it, but also I'm calling myself to do better as a follower of Christ, and um, and only you know make jokes that maybe edify people <laughs> versus versus um, you know something that could tear people down, or you know, because um, after all, that person is an image bearer of God, so. Just had to be careful. And I would also give like a little love and rebuke to the room too, because, you know, I, I know Babylon B and, and their satirical humor, you know, but there are times when it's like, all right, this is a little mean. And so, you know, just a little love and rebuke, man, maybe. Uh, we got to weigh whether or not this is something that edifies or something that tears down. So that's all I'll say. Sure. God. I don't, I don't remember exactly what you said. Um, but sure. Uh, yeah. The rest of it noted. What's up, Steph? I do not feel bad. And I will, <laughs> I will tell you why, Robert. Robert, I love and trust you. You are a faithful brother, and it is so good to see you in the room. I love one of you. You too, my sister. You too. <laughs> so I'm hearing what you're saying. But when it comes to sexual predators, I do not feel bad for making fun of sexual predators. They're gross. They have relinquished their uh, ability for me to be nice. And so if she was just somebody who's going about in her life and doing her thing, and uh, she was overweight, then it would be wildly cruel and awful and not, you know, appropriate at all to comment. It's not appropriate to comment on anyone's body or health conditions or whatever. Uh, but A, she's sort of waving that because she is making it very, very, very public um, that she, you know, it's like she's making her weird fetishes public. She's now uh, on for sexual abuse, which is like, so we're going to, I'm going to be mean 
and feel okay about it because of that. But here's my other problem with her is that she says that her weight is a disability. And so she, she lumps herself in with the disability community by saying people who comment on her weight are ableist. And I'm going to rail against that all day, every day, because actually in this country, the largest and most hurtful discrimination that happens, regardless of anyone's income background or skin color, is against people with disabilities. Uh, so I have zero tolerance for it. I have no, um, uh, yeah, I have zero tolerance for that nonsense. I come from a family of people who have multiple disabilities in my immediate family, and I think it's rubbish, and I think she's stupid, and she deserves it. The end. And I guess I would say, you know, while, while noted, man, uh, you are you are on Edward's, Edward's side this morning, which I, I know Edward is the Bible side. Um, you know, so there is, there is an absolute perfect call of the Bible and Christian living that we should all aspire to all the time. That being said, we are imperfect. Me, more than 20. Um, so I, I agree with Steph. I take your point. Um, and then there's a certain bit like, you know, um, it's just personality. So, you know, where is that violating the Bible and violating Timothy and violating how, you know, you are called to Christian living versus, hey, we are people. We have to exist. We can't walk around chanting and praying the Psalms 100% of our time. I mean, even the people who try to do wait, that wait. 100% of the time, well, they still fail. You I, I mean, you hang on, Robert. You don't uh, do that? <laughs> I mean, I listen to you. Give I listen to you like beat me with a stick for a while. So I'd like to respond a bit. <laughs> so he did not. So anyway, um, you know, it was pretty. Oh, hey, Matt, uh, welcome. It was pretty. Um, where are you? Let me send you an invite real quick if you'd like to say hi. It's been a while since I've talked to you, friend. Anyway, so yeah, um, <laughs> it was a pretty racy title, and we did it uh, just because of the Babylon Bee article. But you know, I kept making continual points that. You know, we, we certainly weren't making fun of anyone solely because, you know, their weight or something beyond their control. It was more, I don't know, I saw it as, as like a call to, you know, holy Christian living, like don't let any unwholesome communication come forth through mouth. So not even just swearing and cursing, but anything that doesn't build someone up, there's that. But then temper that with the prophets of Baal uh, and Elijah. So, you know, that I, I guess that's where I was trying to split the difference. Because if you're going to like, you know, if someone's like, well, I'm overweight and I have a thyroid condition and I need help and I don't want to die young and this is so bad. Will you help me? I would never make fun of that person. That would be an evil, scummy human to make fun of that person. But if there's someone, it's like the Bible talks about, like, look, they, they invented new ways to do evil. And, you know, not only did they follow the, the, like, did they go astray, they taught others to do the same thing and to engage in evil. So when she's, she has clearly lost the plot and she is encouraging others, literally, that's why she's being sued, encouraging others to do depraved sexual acts with her. Um, she's teaching others to do the same way, and she flaunts, you know, this, like, her issues. She flaunts it as a positive, so it's more like, you know, I, I wanted to make sure it was, like, hitting this, this arrogant, prideful bent that she had, and I think that absolutely deserves mockery, uh, because it's not just like someone is doing is doing something that they're like, oh, it's a sin before God, and you know I'm battling with it, blah blah blah. But it's like I'm extra exuberant, I'm extra proud, I'm extra loud about it. Then you know the, the way the version I'm hearing you're saying that Robert would be something like very very holy. It would be like you realize I care about you, and there is an eternity, and you're going against God, and there is a God, and He loves you. You need to repent, and you need to come to Jesus. Um, so I get it. In a perfect world, that, that is the perfect, probably, Christian way to respond to that. Um, but in reality, 
you know, it's like, look, you're prideful, you're arrogant, you're teaching other people to do this sexual perversion stuff. So it's worthy of a joke here and there. I'm sorry if I've sent word. Um, <laughs> no, I, I appreciate point noted. those, those um, perspectives too. Absolutely. I, I can, I can definitely see those perspectives. Um, I, I was just saying that for me, like, you know, I, hear I, you. I felt like, you know, what's that Romans verse? It says, um, like, if you, if you have doubts about something, or like then then you're yeah, sinning. Romans 14 is yeah it's like the last 28 uh, of Romans 14 28 it's like if anything if you have doubts but do it anyway you're basically sinning because you're violating your own conscience led by the Holy Spirit so you know anything you do from faith okay. good job but if you have questions to do it anyways you are sinning but uh, Matt welcome Matt how are you oh wait Rob thank you I appreciate you oh uh oh uh, Matt if you're trying to talk we don't Let hear you I think Club I think Clubhouse no, is fine. doing that thing. Oh, there you are. 